class is in session. Hello, and welcome to the newest episode of Marvel Schools for Dummies. It's been so long, I feel weird saying uh, this week's. Yeah. I've been going through it mentally. (laughs) As have I. um, And I'm hoping the listeners are hearing these closer together than we're recording them. But um, it's, I, I think I figured it out. It's been like over two months. Yeah, I, it's, Jordan has had so many family obligations, it's insane. I say to him, (laughs) weekly, your family asks too much of you. (laughs) Mostly as a joke, but. And to be fair, there's a wedding going on in my family, currently. Yes, yeah. Um, No, I'm looking now. We recorded the last one April 22nd, and for listeners, (laughs) yeah, it's July 8th. We are halfway through Secret Invasion currently. (laughs) And that, oh, that shit slaps. We'll get to that eventually, but oh, bro, that show? I need to make sure this pen works. Um, so yeah, we're back talking about Jessica Jones. Uh, before we dive in, we're going to do a first for, for Marvel School for Dummies. We're going to start off here with a little trigger warning. Uh, episode 8, 9, and 10 of Jessica Jones are brutal. Uh, and it's essentially a trigger warning for anything, but especially this beginning part. Uh, if you are highly sensitive to anything that has to do with sexual assault or anything like that, I recommend if you're not in a good place, maybe not listening to this one because that's what all episode eight is really about. And it's, it's kind of, it's rough. It's a rough time. Um, yeah. any thoughts before we jump on in here? I mean, uh, you kind of, these three episodes are downers and not just even in the A plot. Like the C and B plots are all just fucking depressing. They're just taking L after L after L. And like, they, to say though, does not diminish the quality of these episodes. No. I, oh no. They are so, these are some of, so I think, good. some of the best episodes of the show that we've seen so far. It could be a downer and be fucking fire. I mean, the last few episodes of Breaking Bad and The Last of Us. I'm saying all of The Last of Us is a fucking bummer, but it's fantastic. Was that thunder? What was that? No, I think somebody somebody, uh, set off a firework. (laughs) There's motherfuckers on my block setting off uh, fireworks too. And like we said, it's the fucking eighth. You've had four days. I live okay. in California. You get fined like fifteen hundred dollars if you set off fireworks oh, here. I wish. I live I in wish. Jersey. They were selling them at the supermarket today. Well, because aren't they le- legal in Jersey? Isn't that like yeah. the whole thing? That's where everyone in New York goes to yeah. get them. They're legal in New York now too, though. It's like bizarre. See, New York always felt like New York always felt like kind of how we've treated weed the last few years. We're like they're illegal, <laughs> but we're not enforcing it because like they used to just be pop up stores in parking lots like the weekend. Well, because it it also it gets into that same shit of like, well, it's legal in every state surrounding us. Like, what are we really gonna do here? Yeah. Like, no, yeah. but now they're selling them like at the grocery store for crying out loud. So. Yeah. It also might be that they're selling like ones that are allowed and don't go up super high versus like. Yeah, because I've seen little pop up things, but those are more for the ones that you set on the ground. And as long as you set it on rocks, don't let it fall over and just let it do its thing. They just go up like six feet. They're like like the fancy. Yeah, fancy birthday candles. Yeah, they burn unless you knock it over, which if you follow instructions like a normal fucking human, you shouldn't. You can buy those here. You're not supposed to use them. And if they cause property damage, you can get big trouble for it. But, like, come on, guys. We, I know we just got a lot of rain, but not enough. Stop setting off fireworks. Anyways, <laughs> um, jumping right into episode eight, a.k.a. what would 
or well, it technically is AKA WWJD, but what would Jessica do? Oh, see, I. <laughs> where the, yeah, it's supposed to be where would what would I Jesus do? Somebody, yeah, it's it's actually what would Jesus do? Um, is it really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, no, Victoria, have you never no, heard I, WWJD? No, listen, listen, there used know, to be slap bracelets of it. I know, I know the term, but like I was just assuming, what would Jessica do? It's like a play yes. on. It's a play on words, though. That it's like you see it. In most people's brain yes. automatically goes to what would uh, Jesus do. However, okay. I was trying to come up with a joke that worked with Jordan's name, and at one point just went, "What would Jordan do?" <laughs> what would Jordan do? Like... <laughs> well, because where my brain went wasn't, "Oh, it could still be do." It immediately went to, "Well, they're his initials, so I got to figure something out with both names." <laughs> Yeah, and it honestly, work, and I gave up. Biggest regret dropping out of law school is I could have been a JD with a JD. Jordan, <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, but yeah, the episode opens with a young boy rushing into uh, his sister's bedroom, our young Jessica, to get in the car to go on vacation. Um, running out the door, Jessica passes an older version of herself, and we are brought back to the present where she's entered Kilgrave's macabre dark version of Jessica's childhood home, um, but with Which, an added, yeah. Can we just, like, for a second, imagine, I don't know how many years it's been since she hasn't lived in that home, but imagine walking yes. into your childhood home and it looks exactly the same. Would that not be terrifying? Especially when you didn't leave... Yeah, especially like when recently. you didn't leave because, like, oh, mom and dad wanted to upgrade. I left because my entire family died. Yeah, yeah. Like I, so this year was like me and my family noticed it was ten years since we moved out of like our first home. And if I had, if I walked in today to an exact replica, that would feel just weird in general. I can't imagine oh. with the added context of oh, my entire family died in a car crash that I blame myself for. Yeah. Um, which I have a bone to pick with that in the it works a little bit better in the comics than I think it does in the show, but we'll get there. Um <coughs> anyway. Um But yeah, he is an added armed mind control guard named Hank. Um he says, Say hi, Hank, which is a normal sentence, but Hank says hi Hank because and Kilgrave makes a joke about how he constantly has to watch his his phrasing for things. Um which whoa we'll get to we are going to have primo trademark learen rants multiple times throughout this episode with Kilgrave. yes i i have i I have at least two as well so we're in a good this is gonna be a fun episode guys we're back with a passion yeah it's it's gonna be a time i have feelings this is the first time i wrote i could not find breakdowns of the episode so i had to write my own (laughs) they're a little unhinged so just know that as we move forward um so uh kilgrave has hank search jessica um for sharp things because the medication that jessica gave him knocked him out gave him a headache um she says don't touch me they have a whole conversation about how he won't touch her without her um he doesn't say enthusiastic consent genuine genuine thank you i couldn't think of the word genuine consent um which I feel like is just another term for enthusiastic consent, which I'm yeah. glad that that is a term now. Enthusiastic consent is the only consent. Um, yes. Uh, 
but uh, all they find is her phone in record mode because Jessica wanted to get Kilgrave to confess on uh, telling Hope and forcing Hope to kill her parents. Um, the recording was a last-ditch effort, but, you know, we're trying our best here. <laughs> really just throwing anything at the wall at this point. These three um, episodes are Jessica with a cell phone in a dream. Truly. <laughs> in a way that a sober, kind of sober... A not drinking a bottle of whiskey a day sober, Jessica, with a cell phone and a dream. Yeah. Um, not even her powers, just a cell phone and a dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, all around. <laughs> all around Jessica's home are memories of the past, including he recreated, which I'm such a dumb bitch, that like I saw this height chart and I was like, the family that lived here after them absolutely would have painted over that shit. And then I was like, oh, no. Kilgrave put them back. He was looking at photos and put yeah. them back, you stupid moron. Okay, but I, okay. I was gonna get to this rant sooner, but you're here. Because there's that and then there's where they go to her room and he goes, I even used a magnifying glass to look at the CDs and got the same exact ones. Photos in the 90s were not that good. At resolution. Like, if you gave me, like, a photo of somebody sitting in their bedroom with, like, a bookshelf of CDs behind them, you can't tell me, oh, I can tell that's the yeah, CD. Yeah, but you have to remember, CD. in the 90s was also when camera, having cameras in your home was still, like, new and cool. So people took pictures of random but, shit. But I'm sure used, I have no, old photos, old Kodiak used, photos of my room, of yes, everything. But he like, used the pictures... That the real estate agent took when she sold the house and those are just usually the room oh see i think he was using fan because he had family photos yeah. which this goes into how the fuck did kilgrave get his hands on all this shit but that's one of those things that marvel yada yadas that i can't really nitpick and i also just he's so scary and terrifying that like i believe it i believe that somehow he found them and found Listen, his hands sorry. on jessica them. probably had them in storage and he used his powers to go into storage and take the fucking photos or whatever yeah oh because you know who would never let jessica throw all that shit out trish you know who would take her storage unit for them trish. you know who's a Dorothy. dumb bitch trish <laughs> oh see i was trish. <laughs> I know you do, but my assumption was because she got adopted as a teenager that Dorothy would have been paying for the storage. Yeah, but Dorothy didn't make her own money. It was Trish's money. Fair. Yeah. Trish was essentially, if you have read I'm Glad My Mom Died, it, that's Trish Walker. In the Marvel Universe, I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy still exists. It's just written by Trish Walker. <laughs> like. But I'm not laughing at the scenario i just want to say i'm laughing at you being like trish wrote that book in the marvel universe i get it it's just a funny just way to to, to uh, I mean, i'm i'm like 98 percent sure well let's not spoil anything for future seasons by accident no not th not having to do with the show because i don't remember if it happens in the show but i'm like 98 percent sure that somewhere in some continuity dorothea did have cancer oh oh so i just i stand by this analogy <laughs> no it's a good analogy um, i just that's why i laughed though Um, but yeah, why I'm willing to give them that is because he has all these family photos, I have to accept that somewhere he found photos that the family had taken, and because of what having a camera was in the 1990s, I remember my sister and I having disposable cameras that we bought for field trips, we still had photos we had to use before we could go get the film developed, and I'm losing any young viewers we have. I mean, um, 
just and, look at Facebook albums from like 2007. You go out for one night. There was a whole album the next morning and every picture had a unique caption. Yeah. And like we, I remember having those old Kodiak cameras and we would take pictures of our desks or like pictures of our bookshelves because we liked the way we organized it. And like those photos are still probably somewhere. I mean, I throw out photos like there are no tomorrow. I can make my family very mad because I get in these moods where I like just get rid of a bunch of keepsakes. And my mom's like, in 20 years, you're going to wish you didn't do that. Oh I get to regret it. Photos, I, I don't think I would throw out. I throw out a lot of other shit, though. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever thrown out like a photo. I think I've thrown out any memorabilia from the time I was like 14 to 17 because that's just a period of my life I would like to forget. Uh, starting Fair. high school to when I got cast in Romeo and Juliet, I would argue is a period of my life I would be totally fine to just mentally block out. That's fair. It's fine. It was a bad time. Does <laughs> so... that mean you would forget meeting me? No, I meant when I was 13. <laughs> oh, okay. <Even> before. <laughs> I, was, so, I was feeling good at 13. So it would just be that your your mind went goes from meeting me to me being 17, 18 years old. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We, you met me when we were like 14, but like we didn't become good friends until you were like 17. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was Romeo and Juliet. It was, I got out of, I'm going to be a little honest on this. I got out of an abusive relationship and I made friends and it was awesome. And then <laughs> life got better because my entire life wasn't this abusive relationship. So, you it's know. Like, it's like, what? Human contact? It's amazing. Literally. I've been, like, I've been kept so isolated from all of my friends that like, I became like a new person and, and as much as Tanya stressed me out, uh, that was not the person I was in an abusive relationship with. That was a director in high school. Um, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet was like really, really important for me, like regaining my confidence after that. Um, as much as that show drove me up the wall, um, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything. It drove us all up the wall. It's okay. I had a that, fight that... with a katana, guys. I I had to fight the Mercutio death scene with a fucking katana. Everybody else got foils. Nah, I handed handed a katana that the director of our high school theater program had just found in the back of her prop barn, and everybody was like, and she was like, I don't know where we got this. I was like, Why are we giving it to me then? <laughs> okay. When you said I had a fight with a katana, it took me a second to realize that you're like, oh, I had to with fight a with a katana. No, no, no. I, I imagined like pictures of me no, no, fighting no. with a katana. I imagined you arguing with a katana. <laughs> you, you had to you had a fight with a katana. No. Everybody else got fucking foils. I had a fucking katana. And then but the thing that always validates me for this, I would just like to say this is such a tangent, but the thing that always validates me on this is when our fight choreographer came in to choreograph the sword fights and saw what I had, He even he was like, what is happening? Why do you have that? If I was in that cast, I would have been the kid that's like, hey, can I trade my foil for her katana well here's the thing too it was the fight choreographer that when he was like why do you have that and i was like i don't know fucking dude ask the director don't don't make me explain why i have this to you because it makes me the reasoning makes me uncomfortable and he so he goes to the director and he's like why does she have a katana and they were like oh well our thought process was because we wanted to make mercutio a girl to justify him a girl knowing how to sword fight she came from a rich family that sent her to Japan to train. 
so she's gonna be in like a like a traditional Japanese dress. Are you and gonna be a fucking her, samurai? No, I was going to be in a kimono. The plan was that I was going to be in like a kimono and have a katana in a steampunk version of Romeo and Juliet. So many things happening. And the fight choreographer Tell me was like, Mercutio's a fucking weeb. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And then the fight choreographer went, she cannot be in a kimono to fight. Like, that is not safe. She cannot yeah. She cannot be in heels. She cannot be... What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> like, she needs to be in pants. Like, she needs to be in pants and flat shoes. I don't care what they look like. She cannot be in a, in a, in a kimono. <laughs> like, that can't happen. I don't um, know any of this. Yeah, and so then... <laughs> The director wouldn't bend, really wanted me in this kimono, and then they put me in three different kimonos, and I have big titties. And I think <laughs> I think the the head of our drama program, who's not the director, was a different woman, realized putting me on stage in a very tight silk dress was maybe not the move. Yeah. Uh, I also couldn't move in it and shout out I will shout this man out because I yelled this man my life that there are not pictures of me in a kimono fighting with a fucking katana on the internet Sam Sauer who was in charge of our costume program was like I'm gonna figure this out give me like 10 minutes and he comes back I love with the game. outfits it's great and he comes back with the outfits I ended up in in the show and then when we would get in so many fights about my fucking hair and how my hair oh. because again they wanted me to have this crazy punk hair and the fight choreographer was like her hair oh they weren't gonna they weren't gonna put it in a bun with two chopsticks no no no. No. it was supposed to be this insane punk thing she wanted me to do it purple and i was like bitch i have college auditions coming up i cannot have purple hair it was like it was like a mohawk kind of almost but like it was like braided into a mohawk yeah Um, so essentially well that's what it ended up being but like we did several things before that and so many times we changed her hair that for the longest time Lieren's name autocorrected to all capital letters in my phone because I was always texting the other person who was doing hair with me and I said Tanya doesn't like Lieren's hair again it was awful because like the thing she did not understand was i have so much hair i have and it goes everywhere and it does not listen to reason (laughs) like it and she wanted me to have a mohawk like stand my hair straight up mohawk and i was like bitch that is not gonna work my hair is not gonna it's gonna fall over into like flock of seagulls hairdo real quick um and we're trying to figure out all of these different ways that we can style my fucking hair. Every other girl's hair was done, final concept done, light years before mine was. We were like weeks away from the show and still didn't know how my hair was going to be done. I don't want to say anything insensitive to people who have been in abusive relationships, but bad theater directors are their own kind of abusive relationship in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. We could do a whole podcast on that one day. Honestly, this isn't even a joke. Jordan, I had no idea where that was going. I was like, Jordan, what are you going to say that we have to cut out? <laughs> we have to cut for being... That no, you should kill fine. your abusers with a katana. Um, 
Can you tell I'm procrastinating talking about this? Yes. It's okay. how, much, how little I want to talk about this episode. It's okay. And to be clear, not because I don't like it. It's a great episode. It's just difficult. Um, but yeah, so uh, when Jessica asks Kilgrave essentially, like, why did you do all this? Um, he's like, well, you told me when we were together that your happiest memories were of home. Um, they go up to the bedrooms. He's like, there's the master. That's where I'm sleeping, which makes me uncomfortable. Um, is that implying that your goal is she'll fall in love with you again and then you two can make sweet, sweet love in the model of her parents' bedroom that you made? Ew, 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 ew. Like, when you word it like that, yeah, it sounds weird. It's just that, like, I also... There is no, there is no realm which this is not strange. True, there's no version yeah. where it's not, but I also don't imagine him being like, I'll take, I'll take the, I'll take the other tiny, tiny room. Like, he thinks of himself highly he's gonna give himself the biggest bedroom no i know and then yeah. we get to that he tries to open the door to her brother's bedroom she pulls it shut won't go in there um trish calls jessica because everybody thinks jessica is in prison for ripping ruben's head off with her bare hands because that's that's the last time she's spoken to any of them um she insists that she's fine um yeah it's a whole fucking thing. Trish tells Simpson that Jessica's missing. Uh, we find out that Simpson has taken a leave of absence from the police station uh, to do God knows what. Which, okay, I've been meaning to say this for, like, the first two two episodes of this, but then, like, forgot. What's his face? The um, Did we lose Jordan? No, I'm tell. here. Just I'm frozen. Okay. I can see how I'm frozen for your the record. Your screen also like just went weird for me. No, I, I, I'm toggling my camera on and off, hoping to get it to work. Oh, there you oh, are. There. Okay. Um. No. Um. Sim. What's his name? Simpson. Simpson. The yes. cop. He yes. gives me Steve Rogers vibes. Like, wait, baby. Just we'll, we'll get into that. And like, like I just but, don't know. Victoria, There's like multiple things going on that we're, like, that to we're, me. We, we'll get into that probably within this podcast. This, yeah, we will yeah, get no. into it in this in not this episode, but in the next one. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So then, like Jordan said, the whole thing is meticulous, re- meticulously recreated, um, even using magnifying glass to identify the CD she had in her room. Um, it's a whole fucking thing. Uh, Jess is, Jessica is having a bad time. Uh, she sees the pers- purple dress that Kilgrave has left out for her, tears it up. Um, they go, Jessica goes down to dinner and's like, I'm not going to be eating dinner. I'm going to be having liquid dinner and starts drinking what I think is red wine. Um, yes. yeah. Kilgrave ends up kind of like losing his patience and causes the chef and the housekeeper that he's paying. Um, we just had a whole scene where he's like revealing I'm not abusing them. They're being paid. I gave them second chances because the chef was an alcoholic as if every... Never mind, I won't, <laughs> I won't paint with that broad brush. It's very common for substance abuse to happen with chefs. It is a profession where substance abuse is common, is all I will say. Um, Kilgrave is not a saint for, for hiring him on because he's, you know, it's gross um but he calls them in and the whole thing of like i'm gonna be good and ask for your consent and not hurt people and all the shit goes out the window when what he chooses to use over jessica as power now is he knows that she will never stand by while he hurts 
uh, the housekeeper and chef. So he has them hold razor blades to their own necks. Um, it's bad. It's upsetting. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jessica goes upstairs. Uh, Simpson is hiding in her dead brother's bedroom <laughs> and pops yeah. out and is like, yo, what up? Uh, I'm there to break you out. I put a bomb in the basement. <laughs> I know. He's, like, truly insane. It is fucking crazy. But there's also a part of me that goes, you know what? Respect. You're like, I'm gonna get the victim and blow up everyone else. Like, you didn't know that the housekeeper and the chef were there, but, like... I know. I it's, like, it's, it's fucking insane, but there's also, like, I, I kind of respect it. I kind of, like, love him in, like, the weirdest way possible. Like, I'm like, he's psychotic, but, like, he's... He's a bit confused, spirit. but he's got the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Jessica points out that uh, Kilgrave can't die until Hope is exonerated because if he dies then she'll go to prison for a very very long time Um, it's weird and so then she's like she tells Kilgrave that Simpson was there um, she says that there was a bomb in the house at the very least no she also says somebody put a bomb in the basement and he goes Simpson and she goes yeah Oh, yeah, he figures it out right away. It's also, think about all the people he is dealing with. Who put the bomb in the basement? Simpson. Simpson put the bomb in the basement. Like, yeah. It wasn't Malcolm or those other people at the support no, group. <laughs> like, it's not the people that are terrified of this man. Like, no, Simpson put yeah. the bomb in the basement. It's not Trish. Trish doesn't know how to make a fucking bomb. Like, come on. Um... How do you know Trish doesn't have a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook somewhere in her house? Have you met her? <laughs> she thought taunting Kilgrave on air was a good idea. Yeah, and she wants to be the hero so bad, her being like, I'm gonna learn how to make a pipe bomb. I hate Trish, I hate her so much. It's also, it's important to me that if anyone listening has only watched the first season and hasn't watched the second season, a lot of my hate for Trish comes from the second season. I was gonna say, I like Trish in this season. She's fine. She is just, season one Trish has been tainted of what I know of season two and three Trish. That's fair. Oh, God. Um, I really dislike her. Anyway, not the actress. To be clear, I actually very much enjoy the actress. She's also in Grey's Anatomy and plays a character I find funny. Uh, which, which, okay, side, side tangent, in, this show is cast so well. I, like, everyone in this show is, I feel, bringing their A-game to their characters. And, like, it's what is frustrating me about, like, this was, this has been so good so far. And then, like, this next to Daredevil, which, like, Charlie Cox lays his heart out, but everybody else is kind of just there. I don't know. They feel very well, I mean, uneven. Vincent... Dinson is also giving yes, his whole ass. Also, but like the 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 ensemble of that show doesn't feel as strong as this one does. Yeah, and that's not nothing. Not to um, shame um, the two who play um, Foggy, Foggy and, and Karen. I think never remember do... Foggy's name, but uh, uh, Deborah Ann Wolf from God of War Ragnarok. That's how I'm going to refer to her from here. Yes. The time. Um, that's not to like discredit either of them. I think they do what they need to do for the characters that they're playing, but and. they just 
are not bringing it the same way the Jessica Jones crew is. And I will say, I think part of that is that I think Foggy is wildly underused in Daredevil season one. I think in Daredevil season two, he's given a little bit more to do that isn't just like, Matt, we gotta make money. Matt, you're like, he gets more to do. Because he doesn't find out till like, what, the last couple episodes of season one? Like, it's so different that like, yeah, in season two and three, Foggy is like, there he's got shit to do um and i do not not like the character in a similar way that i do not like trish but elect (laughs) the woman who plays electra in season two is oh i thought you were about to say uh uh, karen again i was gonna be like something about blonde bitches just no karen's (laughs) fucking annoying karen is worse in season two than i think she is in season wow i really do hate the blonde sidekicks in the marvel shows yes you do it's okay i'll keep track of this theory as we go on just until up until like I guess I don't like calling Yelena below of a, a sidekick in anything because but I love her. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I do not. I do not like either of them. Um, for very similar reasons, they're just so goddamn yeah. self righteous. Like, stop. I was they are very much like fair. little white feminists swooping in to save. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Things. This is why I don't like them <laughs> because they are women that are fully unaware of the suffering of others until it is put in front of their face and then they act like well why is no one paying attention to this because people like you are uninformed you dumb bitch like yeah what do you mean what do you mean like i, I was gonna say they very much like fit in that like yeah like like white feminist yeah like, like right, well, we have two political parties so far lesbian republican and white <laughs> feminist maybe if we keep going we'll get the whole quadrant Oh, oh my god who who would win in if we, in the in the um, okay hogarth would beat karen and yes. trish at the same time with her own yes. two hands karen oh, would yeah. not if jerry hogarth ever hit karen karen would not know what to do like <laughs> it would just i it, i she would freeze like full on just deer in the headlights freeze Oh god, everybody's typing now. Oh, I'm typing notes for the podcast. Um, <laughs> Jerry made, yeah, yeah, Jerry would make Karen a bitch. It's bad. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so, since, you know, playing Simpsons just, like, really kind of going off the deep end, uh, like, Trish, that he goes back to New York and meets up with two old army buddies, and Trish finds him, and he's like, "Well, Kilgrave's left the city for good, and like, you should just—I'm gonna bring you Jess, or I think you should just stay away from Jess. Like, don't. Kilgrave's yeah. gone; she's fine. As if that would convince Trish of, like, do you know her? Like, no, he's only fucked her. He doesn't know her. Like, have you? Yeah, like, ha. But again, okay, this is something I will go into with Trish that I will rant about that is something I don't think I could appreciate the first time I watched the show, which is he is such a good example of being in love with a concept where, like, you're right, he doesn't know Trish. He doesn't know what she wants, what she thinks is right, All even though she never stops talking about it. He doesn't know any of that because he's not listening to her. He just has this, like, gross weird i'm a big army man and i almost hurt you and i need to like there's a there are trashy romance novels that have the same storyline as they do where it's like i saved you from and now or i was there when you were almost brutalized now i have to make up for it and 
And she's that and something for him to fuck. And he thinks that that like means something and means that he means something in her life. And it's like, nah, bro, nah. And great. Yeah. Even she says in one of these episodes, like she's like, he's not my boyfriend. Yeah. 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 Um, there, I did notice like it was in, I this is basically like watching a new show to me because I haven't watched this since like 2016. But like when he put together that Trish had a different story about where Jessica was, I was like, oh, he doesn't just go, oh, this is where she is. Let's just barge in and ruin everything. And yeah, like he's such a fucking moron. He's such a fucking weirdo. Also, just like why did you plant a bomb? Like what was the thought process here? Yeah, just burn it down, bro. You just. Or do something, I don't know, a little more conspicuous? Well, yeah, houses catch on fire. Houses don't explode regularly. No, and it's just, it's all, it would be all, do you know how many questions you would have to answer if you blew up that house? Yeah, why did you still murder. You are not sanctioned by anyone. It's still murder. Like, you're just playing Judge Jerry next. I'm not saying that Kilgrave doesn't deserve it. But, but you still, you still would face the consequences. And it's something that they go into with like every man in the show except for like Malcolm where it's like you don't think about that like you can't just do whatever you want. Like that's not how the world works. Yeah. And I like I really appreciate that they show they have so many of the their men other than like you said other than Malcolm. Malcolm. So many of the My men in the show are what like yeah like women deal with constantly in the world is that like men just like run around and they're like i can do whatever i want and it doesn't matter i highly recommend uh there is a book called uh mediocre let me just look up the author's name really quick um mediocre which is called the dangerous legacy of white male power which is all about how white men can be fully mediocre and be treated as if they're geniuses by i'm sorry if i'm pronouncing this wrong ijima olu it's a great book opened my eyes up to a bunch of shit men get away with crap and i'm over it (laughs) um anyway yeah, uh, the next morning, Jessica wakes, uh, has a dream about her dead family. They all start bleeding profusely from their heads, just random spots on their head. I guess I get it that it's supposed to look like car accident bleeding, but it just kind of just looks like their scalps just <laughs> Oh, attached. God, yeah, it was, like, really gross. I was like, okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's rough, uh... Jessica goes downstairs, not dressed in the personal dress, dressed in jeans and a black t-shirt with her phone recorder on. She sits down, starts getting breakfast, starts kind of like lulling Kilgrave into a like false sense of security, gets him to start kind of talking about his upbringing, sort of. And then Jessica's nosy neighbor, uh, Mrs. DeLuca, comes over. And here, okay, I have very complicated feelings about Mrs. DeLuca. Listen, you can do something that is very mean and and stupid and not deserve to be forced against your will to become a suicide bomber. That, and even before that, I have questions about if I had lived in a house for that long where I had neighbors that had kids and horrifically one day... um, they died. They died. And the girl, only the girl survived and the girl left and ne- hasn't been back. A new family moved in. And I saw the family move out seemingly in a hurry. 
And then the, a couple days later, go out and it's that same girl with a guy I have never seen before. That, that is not how I would go about the conversation. Where yeah. you are doing something here that maybe is like you, maybe you have found, this is your husband and you are going to be happy and you're moving back to this this home and you want to come back here and whatever. And that's cool, but I don't need to take up whatever relationship I thought I had uh, with you and your family. And then on top of that, yes, Jessica is now an adult, but her parents died when she was very young before she probably ever became privy to their um uh she never became privy to like their problems like yeah. i think i was in my 20s when when my parents would even start to kind of be like oh well we were having problems at this point in our marriage because of this this that and the other thing like it's not something they tell you when you're like 14 and so yeah. if you at night are hearing them going at each other bringing that up in front of their kid is not it's yeah like and, that's going also, to be hurtful and the audacity for her to just bring up the death the, for the for the first time she saw her in like yeah. <laughs> and not uh, yeah in a i way don't know of, the whole the whole interaction is like it's just like really like bizarre I and feel. why i say i have complicated feelings about it though is then when kilgrave takes over the conversation because jessica is handling it where she's saying stop talking like stop whatever move on when kilgrave takes over and starts going down the route he goes it makes me nauseous like it's disgusting to watch yeah and like uh, yeah and, and, and i think it's because he's just trying to humiliate her and it's very gross and like I don't I really do not like it and it, it makes me just as uncomfortable as like other things that we know about Kilgrave even though it, it's kind of like yeah you are nosy and it is fucked up to be like I had a feeling in my bones that people were gonna die but that's just the thing people do and it's fucked up but it's like whatever it does not need to be that big of a deal and then just having this man take over the conversation and turn it into this very tense very uncomfortable especially when you're trying to convince you think you're trying to convince a woman to stay with you and that you can be good and that you you were born a monster but her magical vagina can fix you like like every fairy tale like it's it's the beginning of no but i mean there really is like i read romance and i don't mean to like yuck anyone's yums but there is an element of romance where it's it's the afters and the beautiful disasters and all of those where it's the man has all of these problems and it's the idea that through the girl being so good and having like a magic vagina that he can have sex with, he'll stop cheating and become a good person and become a good father and all this stuff with no therapy and no anything else. And it's just like that puts all of the pressure on the woman to fix the man that even though she did not cause any of the trauma and it is not her job to fix any of it. She does not own it. She did not di do it. It puts all of that pressure on her. And there is even a scene in both the after the third book and movie. It might be the second, but I'm pretty sure it's the third. Hi, baby bear. Um, where Tessa, the girl, literally says to Hardin, I'm sorry I couldn't fix you when they're breaking up. And he's like, I'm sorry you couldn't fix me too. Bitch, that's not your job. Like, yeah. that's not your fucking job. 
like it's not even really he's he's 21 years old in this like it's not even necessarily yeah his father his biological father was a fucking alcoholic and like gotten gambling that caused his mother to be sexually assaulted by his bookies which also is like not really how that works but whatever um and yes Harden had to watch it but it is not his girlfriend's responsibility to fix all of that trauma he needs it's not even his mom's responsibility at that point like when you are a 21 year old man it is your fucking job to deal with whatever emotional issues you have that cause you to hurt other people around you it like really stops being cute around 20 when men have these issues of like no one understands me like that shit isn't cute like yeah and it is not your fucking girlfriend's job to fix it and like the thing (laughs) the thing i always think of is that line from the office where oscar is like what am i supposed to do reassure uh an insecure uh straight man that cannot possibly fall to me like (laughs) it's true like it's when andy is afraid he's gay um and he goes to oscar what if i'm gay and then oscar's talking head i watch the office too much but um i literally i love that scene uh but it's just you got it you have to whatever your issues are you have to deal with it and it's like it's not i feel like the other thing that always gets blamed on it is like substance abuse stuff and like lat like violent outbursts it's always like well why aren't you controlling and this is the other thing that really bothers me is that like the kind of i know that kilgar's powers are like they're widely symbolic of uh, a type of man obviously but the thing that like drives me fucking crazy with it is like there's an idea like with Kilgrave and with real men who are like that, who are controlling and like everything has to be my way and like da da da, they never want subservient women. They find like a sick joy in finding women who want independence, who don't want to be subservient to their partner and want to like break them and show like them the, the right way yeah and that's gross <laughs> like, it's gross it's not like the it's not it like it's just it and it it like gets so romanticized and there is a world where you could take all of Kilgrave's lines from this episode and just kind of tweak the delivery a little bit and it could be a scene from a romance where w- women are supposed to look at it and be like oh that's so attractive it, no yeah um, it also does not help that today July uh, 8th uh, many many screenshots and last night July 7th many many screenshots were revealed of Jonah Hill being wildly emotionally abusive oh um, god I know I was just thinking about that while you while you were having this whole thing I was like oh god like I don't- Sarah Brady is an amazing human being and so much credit to her for like coming out with those um, and talking about how he's kind of using this Stu's therapy tour to like be like oh i'm such a great feminist and such a great like therapy softball and it's, it's gross it's fuck it's fucking gross oh, using I, I didn't even know he was like on a tour or the documentary that's coming out that's been going around all the film festivals stews is about his relationship with his therapist and a lot of people have been calling it inappropriate because it's like him and his therapist are like best friends which we've all watched shrinking is not appropriate like, yeah wait i'm sorry what <laughs> yeah 
That's like bizarre. just after we're done, just Google Jonah Hill documentary and it will like all come up. It's wild. Like it's okay. so wild. And yeah. then in those text messages, he's using language of like, these are just my boundaries. If it makes you happy, go off, but you're not for me. It's using all that therapy talk to like gaslight women and it's not okay. Like Which we could we could talk for hours and hours and hours like, about how Kiki baby daddy being like, I don't want her showing off my her ass. Oh, listen. You're dating Kiki Palmer. Listen, if I, I was dating Kiki Palmer, I would shut my mouth and just be a like be happy I get to touch also, her. I don't know if you guys even saw the outfit. First of all, she looks stunning. She looks amazing. It's also like what? it wasn't like egregious. She wasn't walking into like a parent teacher conference wearing a thong. Like she was in an Usher concert in Las Vegas and she's wearing like a bathing suit and a shirt. Like yeah. relax. Yeah. I will say though, there have been some funny memes about like what are you doing if Usher sings to your girl? <laughs> Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, no, but I was going to say, we could we could do a whole hours-long thing about yeah. how, like, people use therapy speak to, like, uh, um, validate their terrible actions. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's insane. Like, we've given people this, like, this power that they, like, Think that the general public like, should never have learned the word gaslighting, should never have learned the word boundaries. <laughs> like, there are so many words that the general public of, like, and I, when I say the general public, I mean people who have never been to therapy, who are not hearing those words from a, a licensed therapist who is yeah. explaining their, because, like, I had heard, again, I was in an abusive relationship, I had heard the term uh, gaslighting used in therapy well before I ever heard about it in like the rest of the world so I had a very different understanding of it than like girlies on TikTok um and let me just say girlies on TikTok TikTok stop what you're saying is gaslighting isn't gaslighting and you're not going to recognize actual gaslighting you're gaslighting me into believing that fuck off Jordan (laughs) you know what is a really good example of gaslighting Colleen Ballinger's ukulele song. Like, oh, that wow. is... That is like, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't like the transition. I didn't like your transition from my name, a beat, and going, you know what was really gaslighting? I was like, what the fuck did I do? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, I would just like everyone listening to know, tomorrow we're recording a Shared Screens podcast where we don't have to go in with, like, there's no, like, topic. We just talk about whatever. I have to talk about the Colleen Ballinger ukulele song oh, because, like, I just need God. to say my part and, like, put it out in the ether and never think about her ever again. I can't wait. I am I can't everything wait. I've learned is against my will. Good. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, yeah. Um, okay. Killgrave offers let's, Jessica. Anyway. Yeah, let's circle Killgrave back. offers Jessica a free slap. Yeah. He's like, um, you want to smack her? And, and, and then Kilgrave pulls out his ukulele and sings a song about how he's not gaslighting Jessica. Um, so Kilgrave reaches over and um, touches Jessica's arm. She yells, don't touch me, and runs out of the room back into their house. Um, Kilgrave basically is like, yo, I don't understand why you're so mad at me, which is filled me with rage that even has nothing to do with this situation just when men go i don't understand why you're so mad at me it's ooh, the quickest way to make me mad it is the quickest way to make me mad um bitch what do you mean you don't understand why fuck off um 
and we get the uh he starts kind of being like i don't understand why i'm not allowed to touch you and uh we used to do a lot more than touch hands and and we get the very first time that she whips around and says uh yeah it's called rape um obviously they have been alluding to that since the beginning with uh him buying hope lingerie that he had bought Jessica, similar to what he had bought jessica all that kind of stuff they'd been alluding to it but this is the first time she actually says it Um, and uh jessica talks about it's very beautiful writing where Jessica says, uh, my rape went beyond physical. It was emotional and you went into every cell in my body. And the reason that I like that is because that is what sexual assault feels like. Like it is, it suddenly feels like everyone, like it's every part of you. And like, there's no, it's like, it, it's that feeling of Jordan. Sorry, this is going <laughs> to, I don't know if you're going to have a lot to say for the next like two minutes, but um, I've said to Victoria before, every girl I know, every girl I've ever met has a moment in time where while she was going through puberty and her body was changing, a creepy old man made a comment about how her body was changing. And then it makes you want to rip your skin off. It makes you feel like everything about you is wrong and any confidence you have in your body is bad and, and gross and inappropriate and it's no one's fault but the man. Um and it does yep. get into like every cell of your body i also highly recommend uh it's a brutal read but i highly recommend reading um let me make sure i'm gonna say the title right um know my name it's by chanel miller who is the victim of the brock turner trial um and it's how we learned her name was her publishing this memoir and she talks a lot about how like a lot of people a lot of men focus on on the physical act of him being raped and on that there were like sticks and leaves in her body but that it it was so much more than that and goes into emotionally what it did to her and how it affected her relationship with her boyfriend and with her body and with her sex life and all that kind of stuff and i like that they allude to that in this where it's like it, it really takes it beyond you forced me to have sex it's it's also that idea of like kind of like the grooming and the gaslighting where it's like you also made me think i wanted it which is a horrible thing to have to go through of realizing a sexual act uh was maybe not consensual and you maybe didn't want it and under different circumstances would have said no um and aren't really sure why you said yes or how you ended up there but there you were and it's Oh, and then Kilgrave makes me angry by trying to blame his parents and be like, my parents didn't love me. And I'm like, I don't know. Oh, my God. Okay. Is this also when he goes, do you know what it's like for me to have to, like, think of every sentence? Yes, where he's like, do you know what it's like to have to think about everything? And it's such a fucking man thing to say. It is such a man (laughs) thing to say. There's been a line that has stuck with me since the first time I watched this show that I thought happened in a completely different scene without this context around it. And that's when he goes, I once told the guy to go screw himself. How do you think that worked out? And I I fucking hate that Kilgrave can be so funny sometimes. Jordan. I fucking hate it. I, it's like when Trump says something funny, I'm like, I fucking hate you and everything you stand for. But objectively, that's hilarious. And it's shot, but, but like that's the thing is it's not, that it's not. No, they just that line. Object- and then like, and then like the, occasionally he says like other stuff i'm not saying the whole just that one part where he's like i want a guy to go screw himself which, which okay to bring this to a little bit a little bit of a lighter note i do have to say that like david tennant in this is 
truly phenomenal. He's terrifying in every aspect of the way. And like, I, again, I think I, I pointed it out or like in an earlier episode, I was, I like, I knew who he was, but I've never really like seen anything of him. I like what I knew is like what Tumblr had taught me about him. And I was like, Oh, he's like a very wholesome, like British man. <laughs> and then I saw this show and I was like, Oh my God, I'm terrified of him. <laughs> And what's wild, he is a very wholesome, very nice man by all accounts. He's just yes. really good at playing very well, creepy. He's good at playing I very crazy. much, I love the all the DuckTales um, press with, because yeah. he's, he's Uncle Scrooge. Yeah, and he's fucking and, hilarious. And he's hilarious. And like that, their whole, that whole press tour with like him and uh, Danny Pudi and Ben Schwartz and Bobby Moynihan, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Right. If you ever need any entertainment, just watch that press tour. <laughs> he's a delight. Um, in this, he's fucking terrifying. Um, so yeah, Kilgrave is essentially like, my parents made me this way. Like, you got all these loving things and I got all this bullshit. And we basically see what, at the time, I did not have this context, but now I do. Uh, what feels like a scene out of Stranger Things. <laughs> it yes, yes, like yes. Like Stranger Things. Like, <laughs> Okay, so, like, this started happening, and then I was like, Kilgrave was in the fucking Hawkins lab. Like, that was his We have this skinny little bald child with all these electrodes attached to his head asking be, asking to be done mental tasks. Like, I truly... Yeah. Pa- where's Papa? Like, where, yeah. where's Matthew Modane? I know. It's, like, kind of, like, it's, like, eerie. And then I was like, I'm like... Did, did the Duffer Brothers watch this? Like I don't like I have so And it so takes many place questions. during the eighties. It takes place on Halloween. Yes! That video takes place on Halloween, nineteen eighty-seven or something. Shit like some shit like that. It's very it's, funny. And they're both Netflix exclusive. Were no, Netflix it's exclusives. very funny. Where it's like there is a part of me that's like, are we're the Duffer Duffer Brothers big Jessica Jones fans? And they're like, we have this Project Montauk thing we want, but like, how do we get in? And they watch this episode. And we're like, that. that <laughs> that's how yeah. we get there. Because it it's is like, essentially. Like, spoilers it, for Stranger Things. Vecna and Kilgrave are two sides of the same coin. <laughs> like, like, Vecna and Kilgrave are the same person. For real. For real. No, but yeah, it was like, it was like bizarre to watch this. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I've seen this before. Yeah, like, it's wild. It's just, it's like, okay, quickly during Jessica Jones, we're going to have a Stranger Things interlude. And I know oh, Jordan doesn't watch Stranger Things, so I think he's like a little like confused. I mean, I know what I know. Eleven had a shaved head in the first few seasons, right. so I understood what Leanne was saying. Doing, like, Jordan, Jordan, I like if you saw clips of Stranger Things of like yeah, Eleven's being like literally like tested Tested. like a lab rat, like this exact same same way. It is exactly the same. Maybe the footage they used for Jessica Jones was like the first proof of concept for Stranger (laughs) Things. Um, Jessica, uh, basically, basically is like, um, this doesn't justify or explain rape. This isn't okay. Uh, and he continues, I didn't have the upbringing you are, um, and reveals the little yellow flash drive that we have been seeing and wondering about the entire season. Uh, it is the flash drive that Jessica had dug up before killing Reva where we meet Kevin Kilgrave, which is a terrible name. It's better than his name in the comics, but it's not good. It's it's Kevin Thompson. Yes. And he changed it to Kilgrave. Kilgrave. 
Um, Kilgrave is his real name in the comics. His real name in the comics is Zebediah Kilgrave, which is a... Honestly, I wish they had the balls to keep it the same. (laughs) Because also, you know what I think would have... You you know what? Nothing would emasculate him more than Jessica looking at him and be like, Stop it, Zebediah. (laughs) But the problem is like... I love that. He has such an ego that, like, he had to rename himself Kilgrave. Like, yeah, it, yeah, I think that is better than. And it gets into, like, her, like, making fun of him being Kilgrave is also fun because, like, he, how he's like, I'm not a real man in, in the show. Like, there's not really a record of him. He's kind of like in the wind. Um, in Marvel, a lot of people don't know his name is Zebediah Kilgrave. They only know him as the Purple Man, which is worse. <laughs> Arguably <laughs> so, worse. Because anytime I hear it, I read Jessica Jones comics. The first time I heard the term the Purple Man, I it was in Jessica Jones. It was in Alias. I still just picture Barney. I <laughs> just picture Barney. <laughs> like I picture like a, a humanoid Barney. <laughs> Like, my God. Or picture the original Professor Plum from Clue from when we were kids before the redesign. Yeah. 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 That's partly because their costumes are identical, but like, whatever. Um, On the flash drive are videos of uh, Kevin being attacked by his parents. Um, Did they ever explain why he had a bite mark on his head? Or was that just, that was the mold they had. When they pin him down to take the spinal fluid... On this part of his head, on the left part of his head, he has what looks like the top part of a human jaw bite mark. Oh, see, I thought that was a surgical scar because I had a friend of it mine like who. A bite mark? What I would they friend... cut? Why would they cut it like that? To go into the brain. I had a friend that had a brain tumor at like 12 years old and he still has a scar that looks kind of similar to that. that uh, yeah, a, I it think... looks like teeth? His. His isn't curved. It's it's more straight. But I didn't That's look at right. this. And- it's it's a hor. It literally looks like if you took a dental yeah, mold of I, yeah, something's top jaw and I, put I, it I, into his head. I took it as a surgical scar just to get into his head. Yeah, and add stuff. it's it's in a U shape. <laughs> they just make a little door, a little flat. No, little usually flat, flat. they take they cut here and peel it back, or forward. one of the two. I mean, that protocol maybe wasn't there in Europe in the 80s. And also, this was all underground. They had to, like, you know. This is That is still not a good shape to... I mean, fuck. Dr. Doctor Mike, if you are somehow... Imagine, imagine, imagine <laughs> this story where I'm like, fucking Dr. Mike listen to this. Oh, my God. Be, <laughs> stop for a while. <laughs> but if you want to correct me, I just feel like that shape is not a good way to access the brain. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my <Dr>. Mike. <laughs> oh, <God>. oh. <laughs> but uh yeah so his parents were scientists who experimented on this their son trying to make him special um it's all it's all dumb i fucking can't stand kilgrave um and that he was never raised to be anything of terrible other than terrible and is basically trying to be like Jessica you can fix me uh, Jessica takes no st- note of a hostage situation that has been playing on the background on the radio and TV throughout the morning uh, She should. Jessica suggests they take a brief field trip but if it takes more than two hours Kilgrave has ordered the servants to peel each other's faces off uh, when they arrive at the scene Jessica tells Kilgrave she's there to see if maybe they can go help some people whether he joins her or not 
he follows because he can't fucking help himself. Um, and we meet a man, Chuck, who is holding his wife and daughter uh, hostage at gunpoint. Um, Jessica tells Kilgrave to tell Chuck to let them go, and then she gets them out to the cops. Um, Kilgrave then tells Chuck to kill himself, and when Jessica gets mad, goes, look at him. Look at what he's doing. He'll never be a productive uh, member of society. And Jessica says, very validly, that's not your call to make. Um, he can yes. go to jail or whatever, but that's not your call to make. And she, he's like, so then you can, you can lay on the, he can get, suck whatever, off the teat of the taxpayer, yeah, suck off the yeah. teat of the taxpayer, whatever the fuck he says. And she's, she's like, you've like, never, you never paid taxes in your life. And he's like, okay, fair. <laughs> Don't kill yourself. Go give yourself up to the police. And it's like, bitch, what is happening? Oh my on, God. There we go. Um, also that dude. He put that barrel deep in his mouth. Like, he, like, no, he, was giving, oh, yeah. he was like, he was in there. I'm just saying, like, he, he went from I've, I've kissed a dick to I've sucked a dick. Like, I also was a- feel pretty active because can you imagine just standing there like that for like three minutes while they're yeah. doing this scene? Oh my God. Because I feel yeah. like eventually I'd be like, my hard palate is starting to like really, can I get some like cotton or yeah. some shit up here? Just, like, I just like, for 10 <laughs> takes, I'm just sitting here with fucking metal. Yeah, your, your jaw, jaw yeah, hurt. like it being yeah. over that one. Cause yeah, his oh. mouth looked like it was like, yeah. It's bad. It's just poor Chuck. I'm a ch- uh... Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, that wasn't dirty. That was like a, this would be annoying to do all day as my job. Um, yeah. Uh, then, uh, so did the Hotches, uh, Chuck goes and turns himself in and Kilgrave at the very end is like, oh, also don't tell them we were here. They leave. Um, Kilgrave, high on the thrill of not being a piece of shit for once in his life, is quick to suggest that he and Jessica can team up as a crime-fighting duo in order to make good for all the destruction he has caused. Which, uh, there was a Jessica- second of me that was like, it would be kind of cool. It would be kind of cool to watch them team up for a whole, like, It season. would be cool if it was, like, if Malcolm had these kind of powers, I would be like, yeah. Yeah. And they show the dynamic yeah. of they just walk up and he's like, go away. And she's like, and then her job comes to, like, open. Like, yeah, it works because they only have, like, half the powers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jessica wants to leave now that she's shown Kilgrave he can do good, but Kilgrave set, uh, points out he truly thought the right thing to do was ha- to have Chuck kill himself. Basically, he requires Jessica to stay with him at all times to act as his cons- conscience. They could do great work together, but it would doom her to spending her entire life with him, uh, apologizing for his mistakes. Jessica wants to take a walk, which Kilgrave allows her to do, but tells her that essentially he'll torture the ser- servants if he if she never returns. Um we're shown one more flashback that shows why Jessica blames herself for her family's death. Uh, it turns out her and her brother were fighting over a Game Boy, and when she threw it at the uh, the car door, like, they're in the car, she threw it at her brother, and her brother's like, she broke in. It distracts her father, who turns around to deal with it. Jessica, this is not your fault. This is your father's fault. Also, the Game Boy, I had one of those Game Boys. It would not have broken from being thrown at the car door. It would be fine. Your batteries maybe popped out. You probably lost your save file, but like was it would it not like, break. Was it a Game Boy Color? Yeah. Yes. It was that big yellow Game Boy Color with that extra charge pack that you could get that you could put okay, on that. Yeah. I had that in. I just had it in purple, not yellow. I had it in purple I had too. It in yeah. 
and Yellow was also the first Pokemon game I played on it. Yeah. The gang's but, all here with our Game Boys. <laughs> I'm just saying that the Game Boy definitely did not break. The brother was being dramatic, and also the father. No, really- I actually looked. The Game Boy is in three pieces. I'm not saying it would have broken it from hitting not, the door. She is not super strong yet. It would not have broken. Like, no. <clears throat> um. Jessica arrives at Trish's door um, with a question on her mind. If she can stomach dedicating her life to living with her rapist and to the task, should she change the world by teaching Kilgrave to channel his powers towards good? They could influence the mind of the world's most powerful people and bring about actual change, and she's the only one who can do it. But Jessica knows there's no way to use Kilgrave's power without taking away somebody else's freedom. So she returns to her childhood home, much to the relief of the servants who Kilgrave has forced to stand in front of the window, not blinking until Jessica returns. Um, she has also brought Chinese food laced with sutafentanil. Uh, Jessica dra- grabs Kilgrave's unconscious body, carries him outside, where Simpson and his crew are there to load him up on into a truck, but they want to execute Kilgrave. She says no and flies away. Uh, immediately after this, we see Mrs. DeLuca come up, ask Simpson if he is William Simpson, and deliver a bomb, uh, which kills a bunch of his men, obviously kills Mrs. DeLuca destroys the car it's a whole fucking thing um jumping right into episode nine aka the sin bin there's a stupid rant incoming on this one um this episode opens with Kilgrave. i i have to say i love all your rants thank you and i'm very excited <laughs> for all of your rants for this the, one's like, so stupid far. <laughs> i'm gonna give I you mean, this one's dumb <laughs> that's okay we we love the energy that you're bringing tonight that's all that matters thanks uh, the episode opens with Kilgrave waking up in that big cell submarine thing um, while Jessica, he wakes up to a video of, of Kilgrave's parents that Jessica is playing. Which I have to say, the, okay, so I had watched episode eight, like, again, like, back in, like, April, I think, like, when we had, mm-hmm. well, after we had recorded our last episode, and then I watched this one this week, and so then when it opens up with him in the in the container thing, I said, I missed something. There's an episode I missed somewhere. <laughs> I was like, what? Did I skip an episode? What happened? No. <laughs> um, it, uh, we also see that the room is full of, like, probably like six inches of water um, so that she can electrocute him when he's gross and awful, and I love this. <laughs> I is This is like a zapper collar, which I am against with dogs, but, like, for this, we can absolutely use the for shit. Oh, we should man. do a super abuser. What? We should do it to your abuser. Oh my god, Jordan. Jordan, stop. (laughs) Jordan, no. Though. I'm not saying I would. If you gave me permission. I did not give you permission. I said if, if you gave me permission. I do think this would be like a a nice torture tactic. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, no. This is torture. All sorts of... No, I mean, like, like th- we do this instead of, like, the death penalty or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, Simpson and Trish kind of just want Jessica to execute Kilgrave immediately, but obviously she's more concerned for, uh, hope. And so she doesn't want to do that until she gets his confession. Uh, so her plan is to keep a video camera fixed on him and just emotionally and physically torture him until he shows his powers. Um, and says one of the best lines in the show well this bitch is contr- in control of you now asshole 
absolutely my shit. Also, I keep recommending things, but if you like this scene specifically, I highly recommend watching the Elliot Page movie that uh, he made right before Juno called Hard Candy. It's a movie where Elliot Page, who at the time was still uh, identifying as a female, um, the character's sis- younger sister dies. And um, so she, the character is who I'm referring to as she, uh, catfishes the man who killed her little sister, who abused and killed her little sister and gets him in an abandoned house and just like tortures him for like an hour and a half it's a great movie i I watched it when i absolutely should not have but great movie that's like when i watched the law-abiding citizen when i was 12 and the dude did everything that the dude did to his wife and daughter to him yeah um this is also the part her whole goal this is the part when Sorry? she says my plan was to cut his balls off. Is that what she says? That's here? at Hogarth. That I was later? about to say Hogarth shows up uh, and then she says it to Hogarth. Because Hogarth comes in and goes, this was your plan? And she's like, well, my plan was to cut his balls off. But yeah, Wait, I wrote it in all caps. <laughs> Hogarth, though, great lawyer. Not saying stop, just going, by the way, you know that this would just be a confession under duress, which isn't, which isn't admissible. <laughs> Um, the last thing I'm going to say on Hard Candy, because it's important to me that this part is known, uh, the man who plays the pedophile is Patrick Wilson, <laughs> which is great. At By the age of 15, I'd seen Patrick Wilson in two movies, Hard Candy and Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> and now the main thing he's known for is fucking insidious. <laughs> like, this is the journey I've been on with this man. And Sandra Oh is in it. And it's great. He also he- played Aquaman's brother. Yes, he did. He's also in all of the, like, Conjuring movies. Yes, he is. He plays Ed Warren in all the Conjuring movies, and he mm-hmm. plays the father in all the Insidious movies, which is why I confuse those movies. He's in Good. both? Yes, he's in both. <laughs> he plays the father in Insidious, Shit. but he plays yes. Ed Warren in The Conjuring. Okay, I'm realizing something. I have seen what? the first Conjuring. I've seen the first Insidious. I think they become one movie in my head because of him. Red, That's fair. Red Demon, Red yes. Demon is insidious. That Red I Door know. is insidious. Old Lady with the little Bob, who is like the mystic lady, that's insidious. The Conjuring is in the creepy little house. In that, he plays the paranormal investigator with his wife, played by Vera Farmiga. And it's yes. about girls being possessed by Satan. Yeah, I, I remember one thing from my showing of The Conjuring, because it was like a rated R movie that like, my mom did the thing where she did bought us tickets for it. Like no. all the rest of us did? Oh. No, I saw it in the theaters. My mom like oh. bought a ticket to be like, I'm going in with my kids. And that was like, I left. saw it at someone's house. <laughs> we were, yeah, no. I we saw were next to a, on a date. We got to the part where they go, are your kids baptized? And they're like, eh, the, the last couple we forgotten. And there's this group of girls next to us that go, uh-uh, no. Yeah, no, for real. Like, it's it's bad. It's bad. And Insidious um, has just always upset me that for like two and a half hours they're hyping up this monster and it's Darth Maul's emo cousin. Oh no! Have you seen any of the trailers for Insidious? The the Red Door, the last yeah, door, he's like the last in it. He's like, it's like about he's that guy. Creepy fucking looking. It, when you can see his whole body and not just like a half reflection in the mirror. It is gross. It is right up there with, spoiler alert for Barbarian, it is right up there with the old lady from Barbarian in the way okay, it makes me uncomfortable. That is not the same face. He, okay, he still looks that like- That is the face, though. That is the same face from the first Insidious movie. He still looks like a ripoff Darth Maul. 
Yes, he does. But he also, like, is terrifying. <laughs> it's also so scary. Granted, you find Darth Maul terrifying. He With is. Also, legs. though, I will add... Yeah, he is! Like, this is not something I'm gonna apologize for. I, li- I know I literally just talk shit about using gaslighting. But I shit you not... All the men in shared screens are trying to gaslight me into thinking that Darth Maul with spider legs, like being like a centaur, but instead of a horse, it's spider legs, isn't freaky and fucking weird. Like, I, like there's something wrong with me because I'm made uncomfortable by it. Like, uh, what? Like, what the fuck? Like, I feel like you guys are just you guys. I feel like with like the Jake Gyllenhaal movie where he fucks a tarantula. Like that. That is all you telling me. That tells me that's not a good description of the movie. But it's essentially what the movie is. Um, the movie opens with him going to a sex club that specifically is like to watch strippers step on tarantulas, and then his wife turns into a tarantula at the end of the movie. It's a fucking weird movie. Okay, I've watched to, it three times, and I don't get it. Let's get back to Jessica Jones, because I, I don't want to think about fucking yeah. a tarantula. I, I don't know, dude. I had to watch it in college. I don't know what you want from me. I did not get it. <laughs> I That's one of those films where I'm like, I missed the point. Um. Anyways. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal also has like an evil twin in it. It's a very weird movie. Um... Anyway, uh, so yeah, Hogarth shows up uh, and to see if they can get a confession out of Kilgrave, uh, but Hogarth also points out that she needs to let Kilgrave go because anything she gets will make it inadmissible, and anyway, the district attorney wants to offer Hope a plea deal. They're tired of all the controversy around the case and are willing to settle on giving Hope about 20 years in prison if the public argument goes away. Fuck cops. That really bothers me. That it's like, oh, so you don't, you don't even really care. Like, it's not really about justice. Like, it's, yeah. it's literally about, oh, I don't want to have. That's they're literally saying we're doing this because we want to just get this case over with because of the public. When like two years ago, or no, I guess four years ago, aliens came from the sky. Yeah. So like, <laughs> mind control, realistic. We we have confirmation that a god is real at this point in the world. Yeah, like all the atheists are just kicking themselves. Yeah. Is mind control really that far-fetched? No, like, that's the whole yeah, thing. And then yeah. the other thing that bothers me with that is it, it gets into the... When she said this, I was like, it's because fucking district attorneys are elected. And so, yeah, the district attorney is probably tired of getting a ton of heat because a young, pretty college-age girl is in prison and somebody else is saying a man did it and they're going after the wrong person. And you're just afraid of how it's going to affect you in an election. You're like, fuck off. Granted, people not believing it in this show makes a lot more sense than, like, if this was something that came out now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Ugh, God. Um, So the only way that they can bring any evidence while Kilgrave is in the box that he is the murderer is if a legal authority witnesses the evidence. So Jessica's like, let me call Clemens. Um, Even though Clemens is still not doing great after the almost mass suicide he witnessed. Uh, and so he's like, I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> Jess- seeing Jessica upset him so much, he threw out his coffee. And that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, my man his is day was already over ruined. it. Yeah. Um, so then we get to why I sent a text message to our group chat that was just Jerry Hogarth is a punk bitch. <laughs> uh, Hogarth, Jessica makes a bad call and leaves Hogarth alone with Kilgrave. Terrible idea. I um, wrote, this woman said to you one of the... F- Go ahead. 
I, I just, I wrote so many notes while this was happening. I was like, is she going to let him out? I'm going to jump if she lets him out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will say, Hogarth lasted longer than I thought she would in not just acknowledging Kilgrave. Yeah. Like she was there for like a solid what, an hour or so. Long enough for Wendy to call her and fully change the behavior. Because, oh yeah, while all of this shit is going on with Kilgrave, uh, Hogarth is still trying to divorce one. Wendy. Yep. yep. <laughs> Which, listen, I just, I'm, uh, Hogarth sucks sometimes, but like, yeah, that's gotta suck. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just seems like dumb shit to pile on. But Jerry also, it's not, I, okay, I don't mean to defend Wendy. I'm not saying Wendy's reaction to being cheated on is what everyone should do. However, it's also kind of Jerry's fault because she, if she had never tampered with a jury, Wendy would have nothing to hold over her. If you weren't a shit person, oh, yeah. Wendy couldn't hold anything over you, you dumb bitch. So I really don't feel that bad for you. Yeah. Um, also, you told Jessica to get her to sign the paperwork, whatever means necessary. Like, you're not on the moral high ground here, sweetie. <laughs> Just because Kilgrave tells Wendy to... What? Hogarth knows she's never on the moral high ground. It's just so goddamn annoying. that It's just like, what do you think you're getting? Like, this isn't... It's not gonna be like... Like, what are you... What what are you doing? You whore. I hate her. I hate her. Um... Ugh. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Wendy's demands are now up to 90% of Hogarth's um income hi i love you <laughs> which like um, there's no way that would like i don't i don't 100 percent know how divorce proceedings work. i feel like jerry could just stop it being in mediation and go to a judge and a judge would be like 90. no yeah <laughs> yeah no like and i feel like it's such an easy extortion case to like she refuses to f- and yeah, essentially she, yeah you have the right to, to not self-incriminate yeah yeah um you no i'm saying jerry has the right to not self-incriminate so i feel like there's some way where she could go in to the mediator to her lawyer and be like i'm not going to tell you what she's holding over me but she's holding something over me and that's why she's demanding so much and that is very clearly an extortion case um like goddamn uh all the divorce pers- uh da 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 um, Kilgrave can read lips, and so when she gets off the phone with Wendy, knocks on the window <laughs> and just stares at Jerry like a sad puppy until Jerry realizes, "Hey, I can use you." Uh, it is the fucking eight. Those are bright. Those are also loud. I thought somebody was banging on your window. Yeah, same. And I really like, thought somebody was breaking into Jordan's house. Okay, okay I know Honestly, that at this point, just fucking kill me. Jordan's apartment is like, you have to go upstairs to get to Jordan's apartment. So I was like, somebody banging on his window? Like, are they on a ladder? Like, what is happening? Yeah, like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Look how Good bright these golly. are. Oh, I don't know when they're going to oh, start. Oh, you know, now yet. they're going to stop shooting them. You know, no. You guys <laughs> <laughs> It's important to me that the listeners know, Jordan has now moved his camera so that we can see the window so he can prove his point. Um, anyway. Uh, sorry for the fireworks. Um, so then they start talking about Hogarth's issues with Wendy, and he very quickly convinces her free me and i'll fix it um 
Then we see Simpson, who is, like, dying in the back of Trish Walker's car as she drives him to a hospital where he needs Dr. Zola. Because, 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 Kozlov, Kozlov, I don't know how to say it. It's I forgot what it was already, but it's, it's K-O-Z-L-O-V. Kozlov, I think. Kozlov, yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those ones where it literally has more consonants than vowels, and so I struggle to pronounce it. That's fair. Um, the name doesn't appear on the hospital re- registry, but Simpson uh, just keeps demanding for it. Eventually, the doctor comes, and he is able to nurse Simpson back to health uh, very quickly with a red pill, a white pill, and a blue pill, which was our first introduction that William Simpson is based on Frank Simpson, more commonly known as Nuke, uh, created by Frank Miller and David Mazzuccelli. Mas- uh, during their classic Daredevil run, Nuke was a crazy Vietnam veteran who, uh, thanks to various cybernetic upgrades to his body and rounds of intense psychological conditioning, is insane. Uh, the three Good. red pills work just as... Yeah, it's nuts. It's He's an- just crazy. It's um, just another version of we're trying the super soldier serum again. And it- Yes, but this one is uh the three pills work exactly as they're described in the episodes but in the comic they fuel he has two hearts they put a second heart in him oh yeah i don't know why it's i think it's to handle the extra adrenaline because that's what gives him the power is the red boosts his adrenaline the white keeps him consistent not keeps him from dropping or spiking too soon and then the blue brings him back down the problem is simpson both in the comics and in the show only really likes to take the red pill he doesn't like having to take the other pills well they had the line where he goes can i get another red and they go no after whatever you did overseas which i'm assuming killed a bunch of middle eastern people they're like we changed protocol good lord and he's like oh yeah i'll follow that protocol and it's like i'm gonna go back to my old days there are lots of <laughs> there are lots of oh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> there are lots of comic uh, squares or whatever you want to call it of um, him debating which pill to take. And so there are these really close up because also Nuke is a white skinned, blue eyed, blonde haired boy, but with like a American flag painted on his face at all times. Just like really up close as he holds these two little pills, debating, speaking to himself about which one she should take. It's it's wild. Worst fucking version of the Matrix ever. It's nuts. It's oh my god. Um, back. That's really funny uh, though. Like, yeah, like the the whole uh, super soldier thing. Because like, I just kind of thought he looks a little bit like like they how they make Chris Evans look in in Captain America, and he kind of acts a little bit like yeah. him, too. <laughs> and that was it. I was like, yeah, oh, he's like the whole, the whole idea is that he's like the anti-Captain America, is kind of how they portray yeah, okay. him sometimes. Um, this made me want to go back through the MCU and just find the timeline of them never stopping making the serum. Because so many fucking problems come from them trying to recreate this. Because I think it's supposed to be the atomic bomb without being the atomic bomb. Well, I mean, Hulk's pretty close to an atomic bomb, and he was made because of a fucked up version of the serum. In this, no, that's what. I, yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean. Is like, um, <laughs> check out Oppenheimer. On- <laughs> I'm the only one on the planet excited for that movie, and I don't care. Nah, Barbie Day. <laughs> 
Learen, I don't think it you're the only person it. excited for that movie. I think there's a lot of people okay, excited. Okay, Victoria, you would think that, but do you know how hard it has been for me to find someone to go with me? Um, That's everybody fair. Everybody like, eh, I don't really know if I want to go see it in theaters. I only want to go see it. I am never going to watch <laughs> this movie again. I'm going to go watch it on the big screen and then never watch it again. again. Barbie, I will probably end up buying. That's not a joke. Realistically, that's going to be a movie I go see. Did you guys see the inter- interview where uh, Greta Gerwig was like, part of what fascinates me about Barbie and Ken is they're kind of like an inverse Adam and Eve where like Barbie was created and then Ken was just created to like. Yes. Be a Ken is her, her accessory. And, like, essentially, I was like, yeah. yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm even more excited if that's how we're going into this. No, yeah, Ken. Oh, God. Ken is solely Barbie's accessory. That's it. All of the men are. All of the men are. They are solely, and it, it like made me think about like I think that's just a thing with dolls. It, it, like those kind of dolls for girls is like they just make boys as the accessories. Because I remember when Bratz boys came out, and it was because girls oh, were like, yeah. I have my Bratz dolls that I don't like. I cut off their hair and make them boys, but they're just they don't have stories. They're just kind of an accessory. We just for, need like drama of who's the hot football player like, and in who's the, dating who and like yeah. all that yeah. like kind of shit. Uh, which Bratz got more dramatic with that in their canon than I think Barbie ever did. Um, because there was yeah. drama about there. One of the Bratz boys that was supposed to be with Yasmin, but his whole thing was he never told Yasmin how he actually felt. So they never like really dated. They just kind of like would kiss at parties, but nothing would, ha- it was very weird. He was also poor for some reason. And I didn't, they'd not gone into how rich anyone else was. So it was weird to me that they were like, nah, this one kid is so <laughs> poor. He has to have a part-time job. <laughs> like what is happening? The Barbie, um, not the Barbie, the Bratz lore is, is strange. It's deep. It's yeah. weird. You know what else I found out had really deep lore and I didn't know because I didn't play with them as the a kid? Barbie movies? But no, Bionicle. There is oh yeah, Bionicle has Bionicle confusing lore. lore. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're back at the hermetically, uh, hermetically, not hermetically, hermetically sealed room. Uh, and Jessica hits a snag. Kilgrave understands what she's trying to do uh, and doesn't want to give her what he wants and starts kind of like making himself look weak and begging for help. Um, and so she just starts beating the shit out of him. And I was like, honestly, I get it. Yeah, I think she was like um, going to torture him to the point where, like, to survive, he was going to have to use her pa- his powers. His powers, yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, but yeah, Kilgrave's just like being weak and screaming for help and acting like he can't do anything to get out of the situation for the camera. Uh, so Jessica leaves the room and starts working with Trish to figure out how they can really like push him. And they realize the quickest way to make anybody get mad: get their parents involved. <laughs> um. If they're alive, they could be the key to stopping Kilgrave. Uh, he sought revenge on them for abandoning abandoning him since he was young, so they're the only thing that can make him completely lose control. Uh, the scientists never show their faces on tape, so Trish and Jessica have to rely on other details, like a sign on the wall that references it being a lab in a university, essentially. There is also something that Kilgrave's father says. You don't see Eric crying when he goes into the sin bin. <coughs> Jessica Googles... Uh, Ah. <clears throat> I'm just dying. It's fine. Don't smoke, kids. It's not even from smoking. I haven't taken a hit. 
I just have a tickle like in like in yeah. my Yeah. Um the sin, sin bin is a rugby term. Here's where we're gonna rant. I'm sure yeah, to every fun. other American who watched this show, they were like, yeah, Sinbin's a rugby term. It's a rugby thing. It's not a fucking rugby thing. It's an everything thing. People in hockey call the penalty box the Sinbin. Like, every sport that has a penalty box like that, they will call it things like the Sinbin. Like, it's not just rugby. Like, if you Googled what is Sinbin, it's not going to come up as rugby. Yeah, literally what comes up is in sports, it's an area off of the field where the player that has done something against the rules is sent, also known as a penalty box. It is Sin bin refers to the area in ice hockey, rugby union, rugby league, roller derby, and more sports that require people to sit out for a period of time, including soccer. Like it's also like if you get a yellow card in soccer, it's they will call it going to the Sin bin. It's not just a rugby thing. Like I, it's it's so goddamn stupid that they were like, we're going to use Sin bin is going to get a to rugby and eric rugby whatever do you know how generic of an english name rugby is do you know how many eric's playing rugby there are in the uk yeah Mil- well not millions aren't millions in the uk but like a bunch like bunch. it's not yeah. guys come on um that made me I'm, mad i messed up and googled sinbad and now i'm reading about a 90s comedian <laughs> god um Combining Sinbin, Rugby, and Eric uh, with the year and the timestamp, Jessica finds Eric Brantford, a member of the University of Manchester Rugby Club. From there, Jessica is able to get the names of the two disgraced researchers, Albert and Lewis Thompson. Uh, even better, the woman looks familiar, and it clicks for Jessica that uh, she has facial scars that she recognizes from a woman at the Kilgrave support group. This woman actually is Louise Thompson. Uh, her and her husband are staying in Brooklyn. So Jessica goes to the diner where the Kilgrave support group is meeting and basically makes it look like she's a fucking asshole by verbally assaulting this woman with a face scar. Yeah. Uh, and chases her out. Jessica follows Louise back to her place where she and Albert are quickly packing. They came to the city after hearing about Hope and reveal the experiments weren't massively sadistic. Kevin was born with a degenerative neurological condition. Condition. It's not funny. I'm laughing at the fireworks. (laughs) No, I know. Um, Kevin was born with a degenerative neurological condition. He would have lost all brain function if his parents hadn't intervened. They hadn't abandoned Kevin back in the day. They were forced to flee after his powers became too much to deal with. When Jessica returns to the holding cell with Louise and Albert, Hogarth is about to, like, kill Grave out and just ruin everything because fuck hope, I guess. Literally wrote, Um, Jerry, no, Jerry, no, Jerry, no! (laughs) Literally. Uh... Then, before they can send his parents into the cell, Clemens rolls up and is like, ah! It's like, alright, no, like, we're shutting this down, we're not doing this. So they handcuff him to a pipe. <laughs> just straight up handcuff him to a pipe. Um, I like how Jessica keeps just adding more and more charge. She's like, it, false imprisonment, kidnapping, torture, assault, and then false imprisonment of a police officer. Yeah. yeah. Um... <sighs> So Trish gets ready with her gun pointed at the glass because she's a fucking idiot. She's like (laughs) so proud about the fact that she has this tiny little revolver. That like, I feel like I would look at my windows and be like, a tiny little revolver is not gonna break this glass quickly enough where I'm not going to have to reload when the glass is broken to then shoot Kilgrave. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Bitch, come on. Um, come on. Anyways, uh, she also tells Trish to uh, hit the kill switch if things get too crazy, and she uh, puts his parents in there, puts Louise and Albert in there. Um, they are face-to-face. We learn more about their the relationship that Kilgrave has, is just a little sociopath and a bitch. And that he burnt his mother's face with an iron, made her, his mother burn his face with an iron. And his parents did try to make him understand that he couldn't just tell everybody um, to do whatever he wanted them to do and do it. And what I hate is that he was like, when they bring up the burning his mom's face with an iron, he's like, I was 10 years old having a tantrum. 10 years old is too old to be having a tantrum, you little bitch. Like, if you were just a regular kid, they would have been calling fucking super nanny on you. Like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) And the average 10 year old doesn't, you know, burn his mother's face with an iron. Exactly. Like, yeah. what the fuck is wrong? Like, 10-year-olds do not... Even teenagers that are, like, pissed at their parents and in the, like, I hate you slamming doors face phases wouldn't be, like, burn your face with an iron. Like, that's not... Like, this is the thing that bothers me, me constantly about him being, like, I have to watch my words. Because, yeah, that works when it's, like, go screw yourself, go fuck yourself. But that's not what he or says. Or say hi, Hank. Or say hi, Hank. Like, those are, like, <laughs> I have to think about what I say. But when you were on the street and that coffee vendor pissed you off, you just went, put splash that coffee in your face. That's not something you accidentally say. You know you, what you yeah. do, and you do it on purpose. Stop using these little moments. And also, 10 years old is too, too old to be having a tantrum. <laughs> like, if yeah. you are over the age of six and you are having a tantrum, I have an issue with you. I know you're a child, <laughs> but I have an issue. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, well, usually, like, but yeah, by that point, like, like, older than six, and like, you're, you're having tantrums, usually at that point, like, you're, if there's something wrong, it's, yeah, it's spoiled either. brat energy. Well, yeah. I, I think we're also talking about strictly people that are neurotypical. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes. yes. Sorry. To be yeah. clear, if you have a, a, especially, like, if you have a child on the spectrum who is having a temper tantrum at 10 years old, it's chill. You're doing your best. It's yeah, because I'm talking I, just about neuro, yeah, neurotypical. I, I got yeah. really fucking annoyed at a customer once where it was very obvious that there was a child with some sort of mental disability in the store and was shouting, but I want it. And the woman was like, oh, all the kids these days are so spoiled. And I was like, you can tell. Yeah, no, that's that's different. That's very, very different. And I'm not saying that like that behavior should always be accepted just because somebody's on like the spectrum or is but it's, divergent. It's just but handled it's different. differently. It's yeah. very yes. different. Yeah. Um at no at no point do I look at Kilgrave as like sympathetic. It's more like how they do talk you know about what I've learned. What? If you read breakdowns written by men, they do. Nope. See, I this might be I don't know if this is too extreme an example, but I view him the way people view like, oh, obligatory fuck JK Rowling. But like Voldemort was the way he was because he was conceived like with no love and never had love in his life. And it's like, so you're tragic. It's sad that this is that this is the best that you can be, but it's also also, it's kind of what people say about, like, Elon Musk when they found out that, like, his dad married his stepdaughter. People are like, wow, if that's who, how you're raised, like, if that's how you're raised, like, you can't really end up much better than what we got, but it's also not sympathetic. Yeah. I don't mean to put anybody on blast, so I'm not going to name this writer, but literally, if you go to the old Entertainment Weekly uh, episode recaps that they put out every week for the show, um, 
it was literally literally opens with things were for this episode it opens with things are easier when we could just hate Kilgrave. now there's kevin and he seems at least a little bit deserving of some sympathy um the problem is we don't know what the truth is yet so uh he's got his own versions his parents may tell another and the videos of their experiments just complicate whether or not i should feel bad for him no i'm sorry absolutely fucking not absolutely not i don't know how you could watch this show and walk away having any sort of sympathy for him after everything we see i personally I use like the word more tragic, but I don't know if that would even be considered like too nice. Eh, it's like one of those things. Your parents didn't love you. That sucks. But like, yeah. Like I said earlier, you're a grown ass adult. At a certain point, it stops being your parents' responsibility, and you have to take action to heal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jordan, I don't think I don't think tragic necessarily again like brings like sympathy to the it's, it's not i'm tra- not sympathetic try- to who you it's it, i am not a it's not about what who you are it's about that this was like the best route i don't know how to word it but and it's i like- would just like to compare on the next episode the same author writing about hogarth so just like stay with me here really quick oh, this is- i'm ready i'm ready um, this is for the next episode Really, this is all Hogarth's fault. If she hadn't been so terrible to Wendy, her ex wouldn't have demanded so much money in the divorce. If the settlement hadn't been so large, Hogarth never would have turned to Kilgrave in order to convince Wendy to sign the papers. And if Kilgrave hadn't been involved, Wendy's skull would still be intact. See, it's all cause and effect. It is all the women's fault of what's happening in the show, but Kilgrave is is empathetic. I was okay because his parents were mean to him. We'll talk oh about that when God. we get to that part in the next episode because I was actually upset at Jessica for something in that same like segment they're talking about. Yeah, but Jessica's kind of going through. <laughs> Je- yeah, Jessica's just going to be like gruff to anyone she talks to. Yeah, like I she I am it's kind of just like one of those things where it's like I am dealing with something bigger than this. Um I don't have time to deal with your yeah. divorce. <laughs> like, yeah. like but Jess also acts like Hogarth wasn't under mind control. Oh, this is the other part that made me rage. And this is about the same author. And this is from episode eight. Um, and I had to click off after reading this. Um, uh, Mrs. DeLuca sticks her nose in spilling memories and false predictions of the Jones deaths. Kilgrave mitigates the situation by telling her the truth, and then he touches Jessica and ruins the scene. We used to do a lot more than touch hands, he tells her. Yeah, it's called rape. It's the subject that the series has only alluded to thus far, but now Jessica is leaving no question about the depths to which Kilgrave, Kilgrave went. Her rape went beyond physical. It was emotional and affected every cell in her body. Uh, how am I supposed to know if a person is doing what they want or what I tell them to do? Asked Kilgrave, giving us his, our first real glimpse at his humanity. For him, his powers are always there. It is simply how he exists in this world. People do what he says, no matter whether, uh, if he wants them to or not. Uh, but that doesn't explain the rape, which he attributes to not having the upbringing that Jessica had. Um, like, it's so, it's so bad. It's so bad. And, like, he goes on to be, like, he can't blame it all on his parents. But it also does not show humanity. Like, that's not a part that's like, makes me be like, oh, you're human. My immediate reaction to that, even the first time I saw it, was he is manipulating the situation. Yeah. No, absolutely. He is textbook manipulating Jessica. The thing is, his power isn't 
people go along with what he wants. It's people listens, listen to what he says. So Kilgrave can have consensual sex by asking, is it okay if I do this? Would you like to... I don't know. You can't just ask, hey, do you want to have sex like while you're at dinner? But you know what I mean? Like You can yes. form it as a question. If the power was, even if I form it as a question, people always give me the answer I want. But that's not what the power is. Yeah. Um, it just makes me very mad. And it was very interesting to me that I only saw that kind of sentiment from men writing about the show and i saw a very different sentiment when looking at articles written by women oh of course of course um yeah uh i'm glad that you shared my rage at those because i read those and got very mad oh my god no yeah i just like just like 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 not even like again but this is like this goes back to literally like what this show like represents beyond just like like yeah. what it's physically showing us in the plot it just what it's like to be a woman in the world and how men don't always understand that, that oh, Victoria, like you're gonna lose it in the finale oh no <laughs> there's a moment in the finale that i cannot wait for you to see but like, like um, yeah, and that there, is all i will say there's just that yeah like men like say and do things sometimes and they don't even realize like what the fuck they're doing and literally that journalist is just proving this fucking show correct that like this is just the world that we live in (laughs) and it gets into that like it is the attitude that if a man says this is what happened to me we believe him as long as it doesn't have to do with sexual assault as long as it doesn't have to be do with him being being sexually assaulted if he says hey this this that and that happened to me and that's why i'm bad we like society's conditioned to believe yeah. that, but women don't are not offered that same understanding yeah. no one should be but like uh, it, <laughs> anyway um Gilger's mom stabs him in the shoulder with a pair of scissors <laughs> Yes. Uh, Kilgrave, this causes Kilgrave to really lose his mind and tells his mom to pick up the scissors and stab herself once for every year that he was alone. Oh. Also, was that Jessica's plan just to get the parents in there and be like, now stab your son? Like, No. She no. just wanted them yeah. to make him so mad that he ordered them to do something and then she was going to hit the kill switch and electrocute him before he could say anything. Which- but Hogarth cut the fucking wire! I have to say, though... The, Which, the mom like, why pulling, the mom pulling the scissors out really like like threw me off because the the husband the dad his shirt was like all like bunched up and i thought he had something under that i was like he's gonna pull out i don't know what he's gonna pull out but he's pulling out something and nah. then she pulled out the scissors and i was like oh okay he's just got a baggy old man sweater yeah this is so. just where i'm gonna go with this though is if you're dealing with with something like Kilgrave, someone like Kilgrave, and you or Thanos, and you have one shot, go for the fucking neck or the eye. What are we doing? Why are we going well, for again, the Well, again, they didn't want to kill him. No, I think I they think, did. No, I think the, the his mom wanted to kill him. She says something later where she's but like, the whole point was that they wanted to do the they wanted to sh- prove his powers, right? Yeah, but that, no, they the, didn't. The mom did it. Oh, they, the, the mom. Parents have, yeah, Jessica oh, okay. just wants the camera. His parents definitely went. His parents have a very scientific viewpoint of this at this point, where there is no fixing our son. Like, yeah, he is this. We can make a vaccine to protect other people from him, or he just needs. He is such a danger that he needs to be eliminated. 
like yeah. I think is their mentality yeah no the, the um, mother definitely was like I like we are responsible for bringing this person into the world and we need to get rid of him yeah is, I think was um, her thought process yeah so but once he said pick up the the scissors and stab yourself and she kind of like stabs herself that's enough jessica has the evidence and that's why she starts hitting the button and then the button doesn't go and rather than immediately checking the cord she does the thing that people in television do where she hits it a couple more times and it's like bitch if it didn't work the first time it's, it, not it's, work it's a time. weird yeah. thing with human nature We're yeah, like, no, like, no. come on you didn't listen to me button yeah like <laughs> also, why um, the fuck did hogarth cut the wire because hogarth is a dumb bitch yeah she's a punk bitch <clears throat> Um, Louise begins to repeatedly stab herself. Trish decides to just start shooting at the glass for no fucking reason. While Clemens is in the back going, can someone unlock me? Jess has the keys. She's going running into the thing and is standing there turning the door handle like around and around and around and around until it unlocks. Clemens um, also goes from, hey, why did you kidnap me to, oh, holy shit, this is real. I'm on your side now. Yeah. Um... He, Kilgrave, once his mother is dead, Kilgrave um, orders his father to cut out his own heart and then steps through the window that Trish just opened for him and left so that he could leave with no control. And of course he goes, put a bullet in your brain to Trish because he doesn't fucking like Trish. And luckily her gun is empty. Trish is, <laughs> I don't mean to victim blame, but come on. Okay. Do you know how much better the rest of the series would be if Trish's, if Trish's gun didn't, gun didn't jam? <laughs> No, it's not that it jammed. She was out of bullets. Oh, I thought it was jammed. She shoots six bullets because no. it takes five. It takes them to break the glass. But then there's still the one in the chamber because she he, she he goes put a bullet in your head and Jessica comes back and she's like rubbing it against her temple, which is also a very weird scene and we could have left that out. But yes, but there was still one. The scene of her putting a bullet in her mouth and Jessica holding her mouth shut. I'm being like, it's in weird. your head. Yeah, it was real. We didn't see. I thought they were gonna find a weird, dumb loophole kid way to do the dad. Like, hey, you cut out your heart, right? Like that. I thought they were gonna like draw a picture. Of oh you, no, like, Jessica just your... knocks him out. <laughs> they're just yeah. like tie his hands together. Can't can't cut your own heart out if you're not conscious. <laughs> like she because she grabs the scissors and is pulling them away, trying to stop it, and then realizes. Even if she takes him, she'll find something else. She just grabs his head and slams it into the wall. Like, and then, you know, can't hurt yourself. You're unconscious. Um, da, 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 da. Um, so Jessica then, uh, Kilgrave goes running, uh, and tells Clemens to follow him. So Clemens like peels his hand, ugh, yeah, ugh, peels his hands out of a handcuff. And then, um, they're running, uh, Jessica keeps starts going after them. Grabs Kilgrave. Kilgrave goes, "Let go, Jessica." She doesn't, uh, because she's now immune to him. So he goes, "Detective, attack Jessica!" And he just football tackles Jessica into the ground. Which Clemens okay. is spry. I for a man two years from retirement, yeah. I, and he I, just became Kilgrave's Pokemon. <laughs> I need to ask for my own like, like brain. That do they ever explain how Jessica overrides it, or is it just that she just somehow has because she's it's, it's, experienced her immune enough? system? It's yeah. her immune system essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she got right. used to it. 
Yeah. What it kind of implies is that if Kilgrave were to keep somebody under his control, as long as he kept Jessica under his control, that eventually they would build up an immunity. An immunity. Okay. Okay. Um. That's all I need. Continuing with that, going right into episode 10, a.k.a. A Thousand Cuts, uh, the episode opens with Albert, Kilgrave's father, revealing that his mind control powers are a virus spread through microparticles that come off of, like, his skin and shit. And in his, like, saliva and and all that crap. Um, Because the powers come out of something biological and not magical, they are inherently vulnerable. And Jessica is immune, so her DNA could contain the secrets to making everybody essentially immune to him. Um, Albert is also still trying to cut out his heart, um, so Trish has to supervise him. <laughs> um, yep. They bring them back to a hotel where he has his equipment and gets to work on a vaccine. Uh, while Jessica is dealing with that, she is aware that somebody cut the cable in the uh, connected to the sin bin, and that the only person who really could have done it was Hogarth, and the only person who would is Hogarth. Um, and we find out that Hogarth picked up Kilgrave because, of course, she fucking. Well, that was mind control, right? Because he like walks up to the no, car and goes. They make a deal. Like that's what goes, she talks about in the house. They make a deal. Oh, because when he walks up to the car and goes, "Stop! Open the door! Let me in!" Like I figured that was his mind control. No, they make a deal that if they go to Pam's, um. Pam will see Kilgrave can make Pam fix his shoulder um, and can force her to never to be like, you will never tell anybody about this or you'll forget this has happened, you know? Um, and he can then make Wendy sign the papers. And so kill like Hogarth like made a deal with him. Um, also, we've skipped over because it wasn't that important for, enough for me to write a note. But when he paints help me on the um, window in what is supposed to be his blood, it is so clearly ketchup. <laughs> It is no, it was so ketchup. clearly ketchup. Remember, he dipped is his finger. It's supposed to be. Remember, no, he dipped because... his finger. Jessica brought him fast food. Yeah, oh, and he like. He I just assumed that all got soaked when she started beating the shit out of him. No, no. because he 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 eats it later. Yeah, I and, know, but I just like I assumed it would have got. They're in a room full of water. I just assumed it would have been wet. Yeah, no, he takes out the little like you know, ketchup container, and he, like, dips his finger in it. I thought he was going to do something creepy with licking it, but no, he just starts no, doodling. No, he just starts he's just, manu- he's just manipulating the camera. Um, uh, but yeah, so they go to... Um, but that's why Hogarth turned off the electrocutie thing, so that she could take Kilgrave to do her bidding. Because this is supposed to further prove that you cannot... Because Hogarth is the one that first floats the question of, if he were on our side, imagine what he could do. And Jessica, yeah. like, freaks out about it. Jessica just went through the whole thing of, I cannot I cannot be responsible for being his conscience. And, like, that's just not possible. And Jessica, in that, like, five minutes that she, like you know, had that idea, debates it, would be using him for objectively much better purposes than Hogarth. Hogarth wants to use him for becoming the best lawyer in the world, which is just scummy (laughs) in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We also skipped over, I said this to Jordan earlier, but the scene where Wendy, or not Wendy, Pam is telling Jerry how great she is and then takes Jerry's hand and puts it under her dress and grinds into her fingers while being like, the best lawyer in New York made me want to vomit. Wow, you guys are homophobic. No, if it was a man, if if Pam was a dude, if Jerry was a dude, I don't care. It's weird. It's Yeah, no, it would have been gross no matter 
Who was because there? like Jordan, let me tell you, if Jerry was a man the way he is in the comics, and Pam came in and just started jerking him off while having this conversation, I would think it was gross. Yeah. Well, technically, Pam was being the one jerked off. Either way, it's weird. It's gross. It is gross. Um, I also though again, I don't mean to yuck anyone's yums, but I get freaked out a little bit by people that like want to be like jerked off or whatever or have sex while being told how great they are it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> hey worship yeah. is a valid kink no but not i don't mean like i mean like where <laughs> like it, they, they, there's a they, guy in like argue the career the like like the career is what you're so good at is the weird part yeah like and there's a guy in are you the one i think it's season three and he has this really toxic relationship with this girl named Amanda. And it's the only time that they play noise from the Boom Boom Room uh, in an episode. And it's Amanda oh. and this guy, whose name I don't remember, go up to the room. And she he said, you hear him go, tell me I'm the man. And her going, you're the fucking man. He's like, tell me I'm good at this. And it's like, ah, no, oh. no, I don't like it. I just oh I just God. hear that song. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. It's so it makes me it makes me uncomfortable. Nah, <laughs> like it yeah. really like Learn, I'm calling daddy with like you. a normal person. <laughs> like Honestly though, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just 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 get called master or daddy and fucking be a normal person. Or like if you're no. or if you want to hear that like your dick is big or like things that relate to the action we are taking right now. Live your dreams. But if it is like tell me I'm like the best lawyer in New York or in the world, like that's uncomfortable. Oh god. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> um ugh. Um anyway. <laughs> uh so they go to Wendy's. What? um so yeah they get to wendy's um and jerry leaves the room for some reason and wendy and kilgrave start bonding (laughs) and are like the women in our life man they suck it's wild again if i hate when kilgrave is funny when he had jessica's phone and he just goes bitches right (laughs) (laughs) well what's wild to me is that i feel like from Hogarth, it's Jessica. to know that that's not how Jessica talks. And that, like, I feel like that's the quickest way to alert somebody to something's wrong is, bitches, am I right? Would never come out of Jessica Jones' mouth. <laughs> and, and that when he says it again, and she's like, I fully understand what just happened. Like, yeah. he says it to her, yeah. Baby. Um, so, Wendy... Kill, once Wendy finishes stitching Kilgrave up, they've now bonded. So Kilgrave picks up a little knife and goes, what you actually want is a thousand cuts. Uh, telling her to... This had me so nauseous. I... Oh, God. Victoria, do you want to know why this didn't have me nauseous? Death by, a thousand, Death by a Thousand Cuts is one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs. Good. And that's all I can think about. I was telling Jordan this and, like, singing Death by a Thousand Cuts while doing it. Like, I just can't Aww. take it seriously. No, it, like, I uh, wanted to vomit. The next part makes me want to vomit, where while this is going on, Pam gets in the house sometimes, bashes Wendy's head with a fucking something and she falls and hits her head on the corner of a glass and dies Um, i completely forgot that she died 
Well, first of all, one, they're killing everyone off. I was like, man, we're just, everyone's dead. Oh. I know. We're getting to the wor- what I think is the worst one in a second. <laughs> um. Um, but, the, yeah, there's so much happened. There was the, the cuts and then that, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jessica arrives in time to see Pam drop the vase, the dead body, and Jerry covered in 26 cuts all over her body. Um, it's a lot. Uh... <laughs> Jessica walked in hoping to find, like, Kilgrave in the act, and instead she came upon a murder scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She realizes basically what has happened and says to Hogarth, I know you did. You did some shady shit that Wendy was trying to use to get more money out of you, and so you made a deal with uh, Kilgrave to try and get your problems to go away. Pam is also figuring all this out, which I really feel bad for Pam. Um, And Pam gets uh, held in custody to be questioned. Uh, there and she essentially gets to you know obviously Hogarth was trying to use Kilgrave to manipulate Wendy it's a bad time and Hogarth obviously set him free so that she could use him because she's a bitch a punk yep. bitch um, yep. then we get to the worst death in this episode uh, Clemens is hanging out in the room because he's calling in cops he trusts to um, secure the scene so that nothing gets lost when Simpson shows up looking for Trish because he has to protect her. Uh, Clemens tells Simpson that Trish is with Albert at the hotel, and then Simpson just shoots him in the face, and we watch the bullet enter his brain. The one good cop- Okay, there's the one from Daredevil as well. The one of two good cops. (laughs) Just killed. I liked Clemens. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Good lord. Um, he then lights the entire room on fire with an American flag lighter, which I know is a nod to the comic book, but is also which, very funny. The lighting it on fire, like, really, like, upset me. Because I just I didn't like, get it. The, I don't think he yeah. knew 100% what was going on, either. No, he, yeah, he, I don't think he know, knew what was going on either, but all I could think of was, like, shit, the video evidence is still there. That- what I mean, I don't think well, he, yeah. re- when I say going on, I don't mean like he, his mental state in the moment. I mean, I don't think he understood what things were in that room that would have actually helped everything he wanted. Like he didn't but know. But that's why I don't understand why he did it. Yeah, no. It's, well, it's, it comes back to he's on like essentially yeah. insane amounts of methamphetamine. He's on steroids on steroids. Yeah, like <laughs> woof. Um, I gotta stop doing that. I don't know where I picked that up. Woof. It's okay. Saying woof when something's like a lot or like rough. I don't know where I got that, but I've started doing it lately and I don't like it. Yeah, I just think um, of Home Alone where he goes, Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> That's a different context than what I mean. That means his girlfriend is a dog. That's him being insulting. Yeah. Did you or did did I just watch those pieces? No, no, I, I knew the joke was that Buzz's girlfriend was was unattractive. And to the 1989 classic Home Alone movie's credit, they felt bad casting a girl in that role, so they had the director's son put on like a wig and like take like a school photo. And so it was like, oh, it's it's an what unattractive. If you girl. just not include the line. If this is like Love Actually with the girl that they call fat, who's not fat. She is maybe like a size eight in U.S. clothing. And it's like, why does she, this doesn't need to be, I love Love Actually, but like one of her character's traits did not need to be being fat. Like, yeah. Um, 
wild. Absolutely wild. Anyways, uh, Jessica intends to use Albert as bait once the scientist is able to create a vaccine, but before that happens, Kilgrave uh, shows up at her apartment. Uh, the way Kilgrave sees it, uh, Hope is Jessica's, like, guilty like feelings essentially like this is where we're all getting to jessica's like one goal right now is really to protect hope yeah um she's like what is like he gets wise essentially that hope is the reason she's doing all of this so he's basically like and if you give me my father to do whatever i want to i will secure hope's freedom um, and then we get a flashback sequence where Kilgrave informs Jessica that for 18 seconds during her imprisonment with him, he allowed her to go without any of his mind control. The way he tells it, he, she chose to stay. This makes me so mad because obvi- obviously Kilgrave's powers are in an allegory for grooming and for like the emotional and mental abuse that can go on in toxic relationships. Yeah. And this bothers me because... There, there can be moments when you're dating abusive people or when you've been groomed where you have like these seconds of clarity that it's like, what am, what am I doing? It's not long enough for you to make the active decision to leave. Like, it's just not. Like, 18 seconds is not long enough for your brain to process everything you've gone through and go, I don't want to be yeah. here. I don't want to do this. I need to go and then figure out how to leave. She yeah. couldn't make it to the door in 18 seconds. No, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, even and who's if to say was, that you gave her those 18 seconds? Even if it was longer than, like, 18 seconds, say it was, like, she had one minute or whatever. There's also the other side of it. You could have given like, her a whole she, day. Like she, she very well could be scared that if she does leave, like, what's going to happen after that like is he gonna yeah, like, find how her is this, again like there's just so many scenarios how am i not supposed to look at this as a test and that if i use these 18 seconds to leave you're not gonna then tell me to come back and slip my throat or like do whatever like, yeah what are you doing and then from the way we see it with her it's that in those 18 seconds she debated jumping off the roof yeah. Like, I forgot yeah. that she had powers at this point, and I was like, does she think she's just gonna, like, land on that horse and ride away? And then I was, I was like, oh yeah, she has... I don't know why, I forgot. But it was yeah. amusing. No, I forgot for a second, too. <laughs> <laughs> Something about seeing her in, like, a yellow sundress that makes me go, that's not a person with powers. Well, also, it's, just, it's this really beautiful moment. It's supposed to be this really beautiful moment. Yes, I'm not trying to make yeah. light of the, like, of, the, of the allegory at all. I'm just saying I'm a dumb motherfucker watching the show that's like, does she think she's going to survive? And then what's wild is Kilgrave, like, proves his point invalid 30 seconds later because when he sees Jessica debating jumping, um, not onto a white horse, into death, but when he sees Jessica debating jumping, he tells her to cut off her ear like to bring her back and then when he realizes she's going to do it he's like oh okay i still have control over you don't do that yeah like, he didn't even, he didn't use her power just to be like oh come sit here and like not jump up it no was, can i, I was still getting... make you maim maim yourself yeah. yeah where like if you really wanted to say oh i was giving you the choice to leave it would have been like i'm not using anything on you hey do you want to do you want to come sit over here and if she actually came or anything like that it's not like it's it's the i know that this is the point but the not even audacity but just the delusion in that i'm i'm none of this is my fault i'm good i or if i'm bad it's everybody it's my parents fault it's this it's that it's that i can't say whatever i want and get the reaction a normal person would it's a it's a just it's very narcissistic and very like 
gross. It's gross. Um, now Jessica has Kilgrave unconscious in her office and Hope is going to get out of prison. So she's like setting up so that she can go pick up Hope the next day. We cut back to Robin, who is like rallied the fucking Kilgrave survivors to knock out Jessica for some goddamn reason. I didn't know Robin had the like, uh, I can get like, like the Steve Rogers power of like the inspirational speech and lead a charge. Like, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Are we sure Robin doesn't have Kilgrave's powers? I don't know, my man. Um, yeah, so they uh, break in, knock Jessica out, and free Kilgrave. Uh, so Kilgrave goes to pick up Hope and informs Jessica that she needs to deliver his father, uh, who's recently finished his vaccine, to Jessica's favorite restaurant, which is what's wild to me, is Jessica has told him multiple times throughout the series it wasn't my favorite restaurant, it was yours. And he still calls it her favorite restaurant in this episode. Gross. It's a stupid Italian place. Yeah. Well, now like, it's, it's so. Yeah. But he forces them to make him Italian. Yeah. Because then when she goes in, he's eating spaghetti. Lazy spaghetti, but spaghetti. <laughs> um, when Jessica You know and... what confused me about, like, this segment that we just went over? Sorry to interrupt. What? That Jessica got full knocked out by just an average person hitting her with some wood. I mean, she's not Luke. You take a hit to the head, like... That, and that's like yeah, fair. But I just oh, thought she had like a generic yeah. level of like resistance. I, I let no. Let me tell full, you, a full two by four to the back of the dome. Yeah, no. Let's get that, the MythBusters on it. That's gonna that's gonna hurt no matter how super strength you are. Yeah. Um, that's gonna knock a bitch out. <laughs> like. Yeah. Um. Uh, do, 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 do. when Albert and Jessica arrive at the restaurant they find the Kilgrave survivors strung up by their necks ready to hang themselves if given the command um, and Jessica and Kilgrave have this back and back back and forth where she makes very valid points and he every time he doesn't like the valid points that she's making he tells them to step closer to the edge of the bar which is infuriating um, fills me with rage yeah. uh, and this is where we get to what I think is one of the most heartbreaking parts of the show, where everybody in the room realizes that Jessica will never be able to kill Grave to kill Kilgrave if she can't save Hope in the process. Like that's the whole thing. She wouldn't kill Kilgrave in the Sinbin because she couldn't save Hope, all this stuff. And what sucks is Hope figures it out too and breaks a wine glass and uses the stem of the wine glass to stab herself in the throat. The survivors step off the counter, but Jessica's quick thinking, um, and like superpowers. Uh, allow her to like pull the pipe down from the ceiling so that they all fall yeah. down. Um, Albert and Kilgrave are gone, and Hope is dying on the floor with nothing Jessica could do. But she leaves her with a promise: "I will kill him." Man. Yeah, and then yeah. it's sad. It's yeah, it's a downer. Yeah. I also sometimes like I thinking of Hope's situation. It's also weirdly like, well, what was the alternative? Not even like even if you got out of jail, your whole family thinks that you killed your parents. Like you don't yeah. have a home, you and you're always going to be branded. Well, as no, the- I mean that that's the whole point is that Jessica wants to prove her innocence. She doesn't just want to get her out of prison. She wants yeah. to prove her that she didn't do it, so that her family will like understand that she was under somebody else's control and understand that she was being abused and that she didn't want to kill her parents. And she also still has a brother. She didn't murder her brother. Yeah, but she says he doesn't like her anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he thinks she killed her parents, but if she's proven innocent, he will no longer think that she killed his parents. 
Yeah, this also then, though, goes back to, like, what we were talking about earlier with just, like, even if there was the proof, mm-hmm. I think there would still be people that would be like, no, this is, like, you're making this whole story up, sort of. Like, there could, her oh, brother very absolutely. well could be like, no, you killed our parents, and, like, I, I just, I think... See, her brother being, like, 12... I'm kind of like, eh, you're going to believe yeah. whatever anyone tells you. <laughs> I and then there's just the guy. And it's not me shitting on him, to be no, yeah. fully clear. I am not, that is not me shitting on him. He's yeah. being told by everyone around him that your sister killed your parents. If grown-ass yeah. adults say to you, your sister killed your parents, we don't know what's going on, but mentally something is going on. And then, but then if they come back and it's like, oh no, this other person did it. And like the cops have cleared her at 12 years old, you're going to be like, Oh, whew, my my sister didn't kill yeah. me. My she would still yeah. have like I also can't just imagine like still having to live with that guilt because like that guilt isn't going away. Yeah. Welcome to being sexually assaulted. Like, sorry, I don't. No, I'm not even trying to be mean, but like that is what it is. Kilgrave did something, but Hope is going to be picking up the pieces for the rest of her life. For the rest of her life, what choice Kilgrave made defines her and defines who she is and how she exists in this world. And that's the whole analogy is that it doesn't, none of it matters. You made a choice that you never have to face repercussions for the mostly women, but some men, but mostly women you leave in your wake are the ones who have to deal with it. Which is kind of the allegory for the whole show. Yeah. That's a bummer, and I have no fun facts for this, because there are no fun facts for this. So we'll be back next time with the finale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, this was was like a heavy episode, but I think... I think we covered I'll a lot. the one fun fact I have about the show now. If you want me to lighten the mood, we don't end on such a downer like these episodes. Will it spoil anything for the next three episodes? Not at all. Thank you for okay, your, your little fun fact. The actor who played Malcolm first got his... So he's British. I don't know if you knew that, Victoria. Yes. And he was... Uh, he played the Red Ranger in one of the uh, Power Rangers adaptations. To be fair, one of the ones that's considered like fairly good. But when he was in an interview, they're like, your accent's really good. He goes, well, I got to try it out on a show that no one watched and that really helped. And that's the funniest like explanation to me. I think about that all the goddamn time. Jordan, I just remembered, I just remembered you texted us something yesterday of something about a a CD that you wanted to talk about in relation to episode. That was the, 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 the the CD, like he wouldn't have the magnifying glasses in the CD. Yeah. Oh, okay, like, yes. Oh, oh, okay. We did talk about that. Okay, cool. Yes. <laughs> um, we've been recording now for two hours. Yes. It is 11.21 for Victoria and Jordan, so I'm going to make this short. Um, you can find... Uh, Victoria, I'll send these to you so you can put them in the description, but you can find resources for domestic violence and if you have been raped in our description, I feel like that's important to put for this episode. Additionally, you can find where you can find us on the internet. If you want some more lighthearted shit, listen to our old videos or go watch some shared screens. I don't know what to tell you. Come <laughs> come hang out on the the, the socials with us. Um, we, maybe we maybe maybe to lighten there. the mood. Our Twitter has a lot less mentions of like horrible things. And yes, maybe yeah. maybe to lighten the mood, I will maybe give Victoria the one photo I have with me with that stupid fucking katana from Romeo and Juliet to post on our socials. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know if I still have them anywhere, but we'll we'll see. We and don't need that. To, we don't need to do that. It's okay. <laughs> with that. Good night.